There's a legend round here. A killer buried, but not dead. A curse on Crystal Lake. A death curse. Jason Borey's curse. They say he died as a boy, but he keeps coming back. You have seen him and lived. Some have even tried to stop him. No one can. Jason belongs in hell. I'm gonna see he gets there. Jason, come on! Come and get me! It's me you want, remember? Forget. He's down there, waiting.
this is going to be a Luke takes the wheel thing because I couldn't find the remote to my uh, Blu-ray player. Mm-hmm. So we were, um, I was trying to stream it on Nudie's Plex uh, list that he has for everybody, and the video kept lagging. I'm like, shit, at this rate, I'm never going to get through the movie. Well, do you have a, um, I think you mentioned, do you have a PS4 or anything like that? Because that'll play Blu-ray, too. Yeah, but I can't play discs in it. The disc reader's all jacked up. Ah. Yep. So. But yeah, other man. than that. <sighs> yeah, I'm good. Just been busy, busy, busy. All right, well, let's get into it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another uh, review at Cynical Podcast. I am your host, Cordell. Joining me tonight is my co-host, Luke. Ah, you know what that sound is, Cordell? Beer. It's the sound of American freedom. Don't you forget it. So, ladies and gentlemen, let me just go ahead and put this. This episode we are recording tonight was supposed to be done last week. But we tonight, we, hold on. You shut up. You, you're the part of the reason why this didn't get done, damn it. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, tonight we are we got a special tweet for you. We are reviewing Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood. And this episode was meant to be recorded last week. On Friday the 13th, for Friday the 13th, and somebody, who shall we name nameless, decided to message me at the last minute and say, I'm getting drunk. Yeah, well, actually, I'm trying to remember, did, yeah, I did, yeah. I was so like, yeah, well, there we're you have it, folks. The 13th, and then uh, yeah. I realized, oh, shit. You didn't get a Friday the 13th episode on Friday the 13th because Luke wanted to get drunk and get laid. Yeah, well, what else is new? All right, listen, listen. Even if we recorded on a Friday the 13th, you wouldn't have gotten the show until after Friday the 13th. I and was going to make a special a special exception for that day. Let, let me tell you, folks, somebody who shall rename, remain nameless, we recorded a September 11th show. Now, granted, that was way after September 11th, but I don't think that got put out till October. So, you know, I'm just... Okay, but not, I mean... Throw stone. Look, Okay, but can you look at me with a straight face and say that you are emotionally capable of, like, dealing with September 11th stuff? Uh, well, I I think a little better than you, but I feel you. I feel you. Uh, But But the episode did get out. Did you listen to it? No, I'm not going to lie to you. I only, I don't re-listen to most of our shows. The ones that I think we did are pretty good. Um... I do re-listen to, like, uh, Tora, Tora, Tora. I thought that was a good show. I re-listened to that. Yeah, I, I want to just put a warning out there for people. I, the beginning of that episode, because I added some, you know, I actually I actually inserted sounds from the day into Oof. the episode, into the opening. So, I mean, that that's a... That is a caution episode right there, people. But yeah, all right, let's. Uh, but we're getting back. <laughs> we're getting back to horror movies, fake horror, not real life horror. 
Yeah, we're we're back in good in good shape. You know, I think we really kicked ass. Everyone go listen to our Scream episode. I think we gave Scream its uh, just desserts. Like we talked about that movie for like three fucking hours. <laughs> oh yeah, we really took a stab at it. <laughs> I see what you did there. And yeah. uh, tonight we are back, baby, because we had a Friday the 13th in October, and we are doing. Did you announce it yet? This show, I can't remember. Yes, I did. Did you? Oh yeah, Friday the 13th, Part Seven, The New Blood. Finishing up the latter half of the series on the show so that next Friday the 13th, which I don't even know when that is, but I'm looking it up right now. Uh, we still we, have to do Freddy versus Jason. Oh, yeah, that's true. Should we do should we save like the original five for last, I guess? Mm, well, after this one, I at least want to do part five and then do like the original four shit man it looks like we don't get a fucking friday the 13th for like almost a year yeah we don't need we don't need it for that much for a special occasion yeah we'll we'll wedge it in somewhere but we're not gonna get to them right away after this one because we still gotta continue on with our scream series which will probably be going into november and december oh is that what we're doing next uh scream 2 yep okay that's cool I was going to announce that at the end of the episode, but fuck it. You already, like, kicked in the door and sped through. Oh, I want to do a Halloween episode, though. Okay, well, let's try to record two, then. Yeah, we'll, uh, well, no, I am, uh, I should be free. I mean, I, I'm basically free Friday night, Saturday night. Anyway, whatever. We'll talk about it later. Holy shit. Like, we, we haven't even gotten to the movie yet. We're already making future plans. That's because I'm so fucking excited, Cordell. I'm jazzed, dude. We're back. Now, before we get into tonight's movie, let's start with what have you been watching? I'll let you start. All right. Uh, this should be fairly short. So I've been doing my best to watch some spooky stuff for Halloween season, some stuff I've seen before, some stuff I haven't. Um, ooh, I will save that. I'll save the one for later. Um, so just real quick, I'll run through these. Um. I watched 2001's From Hell. Have you heard of this, Cordell? Okay, I'm not. I'm thinking of a different movie. I'm thinking of Three from Hell. Ah, uh, well, that uh, I kind of like that movie, but so yeah, From you, Hell is. Uh, it, but it, yeah, I was thinking, I thought you said Three from Hell, but then you said 2001. I'm like, no, Three from Hell was much more recent. It was. I actually saw Three from Hell on a double feature with The Devil's Rejects, which was kind of a bad move because it really highlighted how much better The Devil's Rejects is than Three from Hell. Which is not <laughs> I dislike Three from Hell, but I mean The Devil's Rejects is just showing, yourself, showing your hands early. Oh, I love The Devil's Rejects, dude. It's like a perfect movie. But yes, uh, From Hell, you might like this movie, Cordell. It Wait is a minute, a- is that the uh, movie about Jack the Ripper? It is. Yes, I have seen this, isn't it? Because doesn't it have Johnny Depp in it? It does. So this is um, a dramatization of the Jack the Ripper murders with Johnny Depp is like the lead uh, investigator on them. Yeah, it's based on a comic book or a graphic art novel. It is. So I was kind of as far as I could tell, though, it was pretty faithful to the real life, like how the murders went down. They just, um, you know, they explained who the killer was, which obviously in real life we uh, we will never know who Jack the Ripper was, probably. Um, There's a few Jack the Ripper movies I want to get to. 
Oh, really? Yeah, so I'm a big I'm a big Sleepy Hollow fan. If you've seen that one, that's a good one. And I was like, for like a year, I've seen on HBO they have uh, From Hell, and I was like, man, I gotta watch this shit. Another Johnny Depp in like historical times going after Victorian era, no less. Yeah. Um. And yeah, dude, I really dug this movie. It's very stylish. Um. A lot of it is kind of from like the perspective of the prostitutes who he's um. He's targeting, which I think is kind of interesting. Like, you really feel bad for these women. And, uh, they I mean, do a you lot feel of... bad for them in real life, too. I mean, the shit that they went through. Oh, yeah, dude. Like, the movie opens and they're, like, fucking getting held up by these, like, gangsters who are, like, you know, give us five shillings. I'm going to cut your face off. I was like, Jesus Christ. You know, that's, but, pretty, uh... that's pretty accurate to what Whitechapel was like back in 1888. What I will say is uh, the movie does a really cool job of setting up a whole bunch of suspects. Um, I'm not going to spoil it, but I will say I everyone go check it out. Um, I mean, there's some the murder sequences are really like stylized and well done. And, yeah, I just I just had a good time with it. You know, I think it's less than two hours. And Johnny Depp is awesome. Like he is in most everything. Now, you know where the so, title of the movie comes from, right? Yeah, it's because he sent a letter with a uh, human liver or something. Yep, the From Hell letter. And they they put that in the movie, too, which uh, I thought was super cool. But, uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun with that one. It's uh, it's on HBO, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you can get the Blu-ray or DVD pretty cheap, which um, now I really want to own it so I can, like, see what special features are on it and such. But, uh, yeah, I really had fun with that one. Um, the other, what else did I watch? I guess the other big thing I watched is I did get around to seeing Saw 10 or Saw X in the theaters. Moving on. Uh, not a fan? Yeah, I don't like Saw. I've never liked Saw. Dude, this movie blew me away. Because I was kind of like hemming and hawing. I was like, ah, it's just going to be another Saw movie. But finally I had like a free night where I was like, you know what, screw it. I had a long day. I want to just go to the theater and relax and, you know, watch something. So I went and saw Saw X. And, dude, this movie kicks ass. So this is not your average Saw film, okay? Like, the first 45 minutes has uh, almost no traps. And it's all from the perspective of the Jigsaw killer. uh, Yeah, from John Kramer. And, dude... You feel so bad for this guy because if um, you I, I think most people probably have known at least someone who's battled cancer. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm familiar with the story of Jigsaw, like who John Kramer is. I have seen some of the Saw movies. My dad loves these films. So when I was a kid, I had no choice but to go to the theaters with him and watch it. Yeah, but this one this one actually kind of like puts you into his head. You know, what I mean, like it doesn't. uh like I said, the first 45 minutes are basically all him and like he has cancer and he basically like knows he only has a couple months to live. And you really feel bad for the guy, even though he is, you know, a psychopathic serial killer. But he gets word that like, you know, there's this miracle cure down in Mexico that might have a chance of working. So he does what, you know, I think everyone would do. He's like, all right, like I'm going to go for it, like pay money, do all this. And then and- surprise, surprise, it's a scam. Yes, I don't want to spoil too much of the movie, but it turns out that it is not what it seems to be. And uh, that's one that kind of goes into more of a a little bit more of a traditional Saw film as uh, John and his apprentices uh, basically get a hold of all these people who have uh, tricked him. 
and go through the usual sort of saw shenanigans where they, you know, they have to do pleasant things like uh, digging. Um, they basically have to slice the shit out of their arm. The one guy does. A chick has to cut her leg off and suck the marrow out of her bones. Um, all sorts of nastiness. There's one where a guy has to uh, drill into his head and scoop out his own brain, dude. That had me like cringing in the seat. I was like, oh. Oh yeah, dude. If this like th- like if this things that like make me squirm, it's bones sticking out of skin, eyes, and anything that has to do with fucking around with the brain. Oh, dude, you would like you would hate this one scene because they really show you the detail of him like scooping out his brain. It's like, oh, but uh, yeah. And so I guess what I would say is the strength of this movie, honestly, the traps and all are sort of not an afterthought, but they definitely take a backseat to the personal drama of uh, John. And then we get uh, Amanda Young, Shawnee Smith, who's in the first couple Saw films. She's in there as well. Yeah, and this dude, movie's like this movie ain't so much a sequel as it's like a, it's like an in between between like movies two and three, right, or one and two. I think it's supposed to take place like a couple weeks after one. So, so, the... so like saw one point, so like saw one point five. Yep. But yeah, I mean, just I really enjoyed it. I really felt for the characters. Honestly, Cordell, I would say just ignore everything from like Saw 2 onwards, like keep two, but just start a whole new continuity with these guys because they are that good. Um, Tobin Bell and Shawnee Smith. Like I just I don't know. I, I really had a good time with Saw X and uh, highest of recommends in a year that's just full of like franchise additions. You know, we've had Exorcist, Evil Dead, et cetera, et cetera. I think Saw X currently is my favorite. I'm surprised your girlfriend didn't drag you to see the new Taylor Swift movie. No, I offered, man. But she was like, eh. I was going to go see it, and then my theater was charging $19 a ticket for it, and I was like, no. Oof. Are you a Taylor fan, Cordell? I am a Taylor fan. I do like Taylor Swift, and I do like her music. I don't like her enough to get to pay 20 bucks for a ticket, though. Yeah, her music. Yeah, I like her music. But, uh, yeah, so I guess the last thing I'll talk about, uh, just to kind of keep it brief, is on Friday the 13th, uh, after I got home and was nice and kind of lit up, I decided to revisit the 2009 Friday remake. Oh, you wanted some of those stupendous tits with perfect nipple placement. (laughs) Oh, man. Honestly, dude, like, the scene is not, it, it's just, it's hilarious. You know what I mean? Like, you can't even take it seriously. You know what? I got stupendous man tits. My nipple placement's off, though. And he is single and ready to mingle, folks. Let's go, ladies. I'm ready. I just dyed my hair green and orange. Let me be your pumpkin. It looks pretty cool, too. But, uh, yeah, I guess uh, just real. I, I think we'll cover it someday. But do you like the Friday remake, Cordell? You know, I haven't watched it in a long time. My memory of it was it wasn't as bad as everybody said it was. It was certainly not as bad as the Nightmare remake. No, I think the Nightmare remake is kind of the low bar, honestly. I mean, but, uh, I mean. The three big remakes that we had around that time, 
2009, 2010. Rob Zombie's Halloween was good. The Friday remake was good. And then Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 and Elm Street were like, eh. See, I actually, even though I don't think it's a good movie, I sort of like the new Elm Street. I think Jackie Earl Haley does a really good job as Freddy. Um, But but, but what my, my issue with that movie has nothing to do with Jackie Earl Haley. It has to do with the plot and how they characterize Freddy in that one. Well, I I care about the fact that they actually make him like a pedophile. Yes. See, I think that's – it's interesting, right? It's an interesting take. It's a darker take. And the movie – I think it would be a stronger movie if – I mean, spoilers for, you know, this decade-old remake. But it would be a much stronger remake if they actually went through with the whole, like, the kids were making it up. You know what I mean? And Freddie actually was innocent. Now, Um, can you imagine going to see that movie in full Freddy gear? And as each minute passes and the more and more they're saying, oh, yeah, Freddie was a pedophile, I would slowly be removing my hat, my glove, my <laughs> mask, my sweater. Yeah, you just would not want anyone to see you dressed up as Freddie. You know what the worst part about that movie is, if I can digress, is um, in that movie, they make it explicit that, like, Freddie has killed, like, 20 people, like, all these kids, right, from the preschool or whatever. And, like... The parents are the worst in the entire series. Like, uh, what's her name? Nancy is literally like to her mom in the remake. She's like, you know, like, mom, like, here's video of this guy being killed by Freddy. You remember this part, Cordell? And, uh, you know, like, mom, like, 20 people are dead who I all, like, went to school with. And the parents are just like, oh, no, there's no such thing. Like, there's no way. Like, you know, like, fucking every every one of your child's kids are dead. And, like, near the end of the movie, the mom, like, takes her to the hospital. And they're like, do you want us to put her to sleep? And she's like, oh, yeah, go ahead. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, well, that's, like, the parents have always been horrible in Elm Street movies. Like, even in the original series, even the original film. Go back to the original Elm Street. Nancy's mom was an alcoholic bitch. She was. That's true. But, uh... Anyway, back to the Friday remake. I I like it. I mean, I think it's a really good slasher. If you just take it as a slasher film, I think it's pretty cool. All the kills are fun. Um, I definitely agree. I think the big take is that, you know how the first, like, 20 minutes of it, Cordell, are like a mini slasher movie with, like, one group of campers. And then um, we meet, like, another group of people. You you know how you can also tell that it's a, like, late 2000s remake? Because it's got the CW crew in it. Oh, yeah, it's ridiculous. All those people, like, do not look like real people. It's it's very strange. I mean, I like Sam Paladecki, don't get me wrong. I think he's awesome. And, like, Jensen Eccles, he was in the My Bloody Valentine remake. He was fun in that. hmm But, I mean, but, yeah, it, just, it feels like remakes around that time just went to the CW and said, okay, who's the newest up-and-comer? Let's get him for our little slasher movie. Yeah, I mean, I don't have the issues a lot of people have. I think the movie makes a lot of weird choices. Um, Like, I don't care. Like, some people, you know, are like, Jason shouldn't have tunnels, and Jason shouldn't have, like, tripwires. And I'm like, I'm fine with that. Like, if you want to explain, like, how Jason can pop up and down, you know, come out. You want to know my problem with the Friday remake is they killed the wrong final girl. 
yeah, that's such a strange choice that they have Jason take the sister like prisoner and they like half ass set it up with like one line where they're like, oh, you look like Jason's mom. But then like she doesn't really do anything with that. And yeah, they have that boring. Uh, the fuck is her name? Wasn't name like Jenna or something? Yeah. And then the whole movie. She's like, she's the, said, she's like the only girl in that group of kit in that group of like, young adults who wants to help. Jared find his sister. And that's what I kind of liked about her. You know, she was kind of like the, you know, she she was just kind of like the odd girl out of the group. I thought yeah, they should have killed the sister. She was the stereotypical, you know, final girl type. Well, I like that they kind of set her up like that. And then, you no, know, Jason just fucking shanks her through the chest of his machete. Yeah, no, but, I didn't like that. I thought the sister, I thought the sister was the one that should have gotten it. Because to me, the sister was pointless. Like she, oh, yeah. she, she got anything. captured. She spent half the movie in the tunnels as a prisoner. And then they half-assed try to replay the ending of part two with her pretending to be his mom and talking to him. Bro, they, they half-ass it so bad, she doesn't even do that. She literally just holds up some fucking locket with his mom. And she's like, Jason! Like, because I was like, I, I, I couldn't remember the ending of the movie, right? So I was like, okay, she's going to do the whole, like, Jason, like, I'm your mom. Like, you know, mother is talking to you. But no, she doesn't even do that, Cordell. They half-ass the shit out of that. <laughs> now, what uh, I do like is I do like how Jason found his mask in the movie. Killing that red, killing that hick redneck stoner. <laughs> When he's like, yeah, when he wants to, like, fuck the mannequin or whatever. It's, it's just very weird. It's a very strange scene. Um, But I will say, yeah, I love the look of Jason in the remake. I think he looks cool. I think he's, like, a vicious, like, badass serial killer. Oh, um, dude, when he gets that one guy, when he just, like, fucking chucks that axe, like, halfway across the field. Oh, yeah, that's badass. that guy running away. Like, that was a good kill. Yeah, all the kills are pretty good in the remake. So I guess um, we'll have to talk about it, you know, at some point. But overall, I like the Friday remake. It's uh, it's better than part eight. It's better than Jason X. I think that's as far as I can go. May I'd say I'd put it right around Jason Goes to Hell. I mean, Jason Goes to Hell, I think, is more entertaining and shorter. But the remake is less fun than Jason Goes to Hell, but it's a better movie, I guess. So, I don't know. It's not as I bad as all. I completely blanked out on everything that you just said right there. Because you said Jason Goes to Hell wasn't entertaining. No, I said it was entertaining. Oh, I thought you said Jason Goes to Hell was entertaining. I was like, um. Hey, what? No, Jason Goes to Hell is entertaining. We talked about this, Cordell. No, we argued about this. Oh, did we? Did you not like Jason Goes to Hell? I can't remember. I thought it was okay. I gave it a lower recommendation than I did Part 8. Oh, yes. That is our argument. You think Part 8 is better than Jason Goes to Hell? He's wrong, listeners. He's wrong. Whose show is this again? (laughs) But anyway... That's uh, that's all I got for what you've been watching. So what have you been watching, sir? 
Well, I haven't really gotten to watch a whole lot of spooky stuff. I've been mostly working a lot. Um, however, so I've spent a good majority of my life really not paying attention to anime. Are you an anime fan? Um, I like a couple movies, but I, I've never really watched any like series or anything. I mean, I like like some of the um, Studio Ghibli stuff and like Akira and such. So there have been a few animes that I have enjoyed. Like there's one called Helsing, which is about the uh, vampire Alucard. Um, yeah, there was yeah. Full Metal Alchemist. But I have found my anime. I have found the one that I really enjoy. And that is One Piece. Oh, that's the uh, the pirate one, right? Yep. I watched, I've been binge watching the original uh, anime that came out in the 90s and is still going on to this day. And then I uh, binged watched the new live action series that Netflix put out. Um, not really going to give my thoughts on the live action one because it's just the one season. I want to see with it how they do future storylines with it before I actually give it a full judgment. But, uh, fuck, man, that that One Piece anime is just, you know, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> and, Boy. you know, so, um, the, the thing that's fun about it is I watch the anime and it's dubbed in English, but the subtitles don't match. No, really. <laughs> but you still kind of like get the idea of what they're saying. But yeah, I mean, I'm just like really invested in this shit. Like, I don't know. It's like it's it, it feels weird to me because I've never been that big into anime. But I think what I like about this anime is, see, when I think of anime. I think of how the Japanese have a really big obsession with boobs and nudity and shit like that. Mm -hmm. And they kind of play with that with this series, but it's usually used as a gag. Not. You know, they don't they don't actually show nudity. Mm -hmm. And if you see boob, it's like always side boob or it's implied nudity. Um. Oh, interesting. I, I mean, I, I'd be down to like check it out. I guess. Oh yeah, I, I definitely. They, they're slowly putting all the, um, seasons of it on Netflix. Ah, uh, okay. Um, what else? I watched the HBO miniseries The Pacific and Band of Brothers. Awesome series. Very good. Oh yeah, bull, really good stuff. Um, the uh, the whole three episode uh, is it Pelulu sequence of the Pacific is amazing. Um, I really like the Iwo Jima story of uh, Basilone. That's like a awesome episode. Like that's like a mini like movie in of itself. I'm gonna be quite honest with you, dude. I like the Pacific because it does not shy away from showing just how fucking brutal the Pacific War was. 
Yeah, man, the uh, the Okinawa episode, right? That shit's like... Okinawa, Guadalcanal, I mean, that shit was fucking brutal. And speaking of brutal, I, for the first time, watched the movie Hacksaw Ridge. Oh, I've been wanting to watch that ever since it came out. How was it? Um, It was a little slow to start off. I mean, the majority of the film is like in boot camp and him getting in trouble because... He won't carry a weapon in his trial. But ooh, when we get to the like the actual Pacific, when they get to Okinawa, that shit is fucking nuts, dude. Really? That is some brutal fucking military um sequences. There was one scene like and and, and this you know this kind of, I mean this movie could almost work like an episode of the Pacific. There's a scene where the Japanese push the Americans back in a bonsai charge. This Japanese soldier takes two uh, tan grenades and lights them off, and then he runs up to like this big American grunt and just grabs onto him, and it's just these two grown-ass soldiers just screaming in each other's faces until they both blow up. Damn. Yeah, I gotta check this out. Sounds Um, horrible. I did watch, um, I did watch a couple of, uh, kid Halloween movies, if that counts. Yeah, that counts. So, I watched, I rewatched, um, I think I've spoken about it on the show before. It's an it's based on an L. Stein book. It's called When Good Ghouls Go Bad. Oh, uh, yes, yes. I think you have spoken about that. Uh, it's got uh, Christopher Lloyd in it. Uh, it's about a town that doesn't celebrate Halloween because of, like, a curse. This, uh, like, weird emo kid died on Halloween and left a curse saying if the town ever celebrated the holiday again he'd come back and destroy them and then like you got this main the main character he's the he doesn't know about the curse he just thinks everybody's like weird for no reason about halloween uh it's a really good movie i wouldn't mind talking about it sometime okay seems sounds interesting and then i revisited the casper trilogy Trilogy. Yeah. You have nineteen ninety five Casper. You have nineteen ninety seven's Casper a Spirited Beginning. And then you have it was ninety nine or two thousand and Casper meets Wendy. Oh, I didn't even know there were live action sequels. Yeah, the first movie I, I like the first movie. I mean it's uh it's goofy, but I do enjoy it. I like all the shenanigans of like the uncles and Bill Pullman a lot. <laughs> all for one and one for all. Check your pants before they fall. But yeah, how are the uh, are the sequels any good? Or... I mean, they are to me because I grew up with them. Um, I love a Casper Spirited Beginning. I I actually went out and bought the soundtrack to it long time ago um 
it, it so spirit of beginning um is kind of like the origins of like how casper and the ghostly trio meet um it takes place in this town and like this boy his father is trying to demolish like a really old famous building that's in the town and like the ghostly trio have inhabited it and so like the town is split like you got these you got this guy who's trying to tear it down you've got the protesters led by this boy's teacher who trying to save it and somewhere into the mix you know casper comes in and like he obviously you know he befriends the boy okay and the boy introduces him to the ghostly trio and they're trying to teach him how to scare people and be a ghost but that's i mean it's casper he doesn't want to actually scare people he does it unintentionally um mm-hmm. the movie also introduces uh it's the mo- uh the voice acting of James Earl Jones in it as Ooh. the as the ghost as the supreme ghost of all ghosts Kibosh. I'm not fucking with you that is his name. <laughs> um he's uh, just this big mean green ghost who's basically like the ghost who rules all of the other ghosts. And, like, he's on a mission to get Casper because Casper is supposed to go to scale school. Okay. Um, you know, this sounds vaguely familiar. I may have seen this once upon a time. It's one of my, it's one of those movies that I just loved as a kid. And I love to revisit it every now and then. Plus, it's got, you know, it's got some god-awful jokes in it. But, man, do I chuckle at them all the time. Like, there's a scene at the beginning when the ghostly trio are introduced, and it's at like a clash between the construction workers and the protesters. Well, the ghostly trio takes over the bulldozer, and then they start like scaring everybody, flying around, just causing mayhem. Well, this construction worker. Uh, is trying to run away and Stretch goes up to him and goes, before you run off, pal, you better check under here. Underwear! Exactly! A mega wedgie! And they pull his underwear all the way up over his head. (laughs) And then Fatso ends it by saying, what a crack up. It's It's stupid, but it makes me chuckle. No, no, I get you, I get you. Um, Casper meets Wendy. I mean, I think anyone who know, remembers, like, the old Casper cartoons knew that Wendy showed up. Wendy the Teenage Witch. No, that's Sabrina the Teenage Witch. No, Wendy the Good Witch. Um, yeah, yeah, that sounds familiar. You know, these are just childhood favorites that I like to revisit every now and then. So, I mean, unless we actually talk about them on the show, I can't really say recommend, not recommend, because for me, those are personal, um, personal taste. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get you. Makes sense. Um, 
That's cool. That's cool. I revisited the Black Cauldron. Oh yeah, you were texting me about this. I yep. used to love Black Cauldron. Uh, that movie we have to do on the show sometime. I love that movie. That is my number one favorite Disney movie. Yeah, I have, I mean, I remember just a lot of like um, just nothing but good memories of that one. So, yeah, I'd love to revisit, get to revisit that. I think I texted you earlier. I would love to like do like talk about most of like the dark age films of the Disney era. So like the Black Cauldron, the Rescuers, um, Oliver and Company, Robin Hood. The uh, Great Mouse Detective. Is yes, the one that's I... a really good one. Love me some Vincent Price. Yeah, man, I'd be down. And that is it for me. So, do you have any news? You know what? I have got exactly two pieces of news for you, Cordell. Okay. Jack shit. Oh, okay. Jack shit. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. From where I'm standing, you ain't in charge of Jack and shit, and Jack left town. Oh, breaking news right here, Cordell. Apparently a Halloween mobile game just launched, but it's one of those shitty, like, uh, match three kind of games. Oh, jeez. I'm talking about, like, like, actual news. It looks like they just have a picture of Michael Myers behind him. Does that count? (laughs) No. What the fuck is that? I don't know. Yeah, I don't think there's too much news. I'm not seeing anything. Let me go check. Um, Six new horror movies releasing this week, including the new Five Nights at Freddy's. Are you planning on going to see that? Nah, I mean, the movie looks okay. I've seen the trail, uh, both of the trailers a couple times, but I don't know. I never played the video game, so I have, like, no... Um, I have no association with it. I mean, if if people say it's really good, I might go check it out. Um, oh, let's see. One day ago, Screenbox. What is Screenbox? That's a bloody disgusting like Shutter ripoff. Screenbox brings Trick or Treat to streaming for the very first time. You know that movie, Trick or Treat, the the '86 movie. Uh, Sammy Kerr. I haven't seen it, but I would like to see it. Yeah, I'm, I see here what you mean about the fucking Halloween mobile game. That's not. Um, <laughs> a new Blackula movie reboot is coming to for Halloween 2024. Yeah, we'll see if it actually happens. Um. Did you see that NECA released a Halloween 3 Tom Atkins figure? I did. That's that's pretty cool, I guess. I'm trying to think if they've ever released a Tom Atkins figure before. I think they did for Night of the Creeps. They did, because I uh, I own it, Mr. Culkins. And I am just only sad that I didn't get two, because I kind of don't want to open him up. Um, I like it includes two two beers. That's what you get. <laughs> <laughs> or do you want to sleep, Dr. Chalice? Yeah. 
honestly surprised. I would expect there to be like a little bit more horror news. Uh, oh, there is one thing. Um, I don't know if you've seen like the trailers for it, but do you do you know the in-depth documentary series in search of darkness? Yeah, I keep meaning to watch watch those. I just haven't gotten around to it. So you know how they got um the In Search of Darkness where they cover like the eighties um the eighties yeah. of horror. Well they're coming out with a new series in the in in search of darkness universe, but it's gonna be based on like the nineties. They what they call the lost decade. Yeah, I, I I've heard them like talk about it. That that would be pretty cool, or that will be cool because yeah, the '90s um is interesting for horror because there's not a lot of horror movies and the genre sort of was uh in flux for a while. Yeah, so, they're gonna uh, they're gonna I, be reviewing like a lot of like you know like Silence of the Lambs. They're gonna be talking about TV horror, so they're gonna be talking about Tales from the Crypt. Ooh, that's your stuff. Um. Yeah, that's cool though. D- did you see that Eli Roth? Um, so you know Eli Roth has a new movie coming out, coming out, right? That Thanksgiving. Yeah. I'm excited. Trailer looks good. Did you see that Eli Roth did an homage to famous, um, sl- like famous slasher movies, where he took thanks uh, Thanksgiving but put it in like iconic horror movie posters. He did oh, Friday I, the 13th, he did My Bloody Valentine, he did Silent Night, Deadly Night. I was wondering if those were fan-made. I just saw them, like, briefly on the feed. But, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'm looking at it right here. Yeah, I like the My Bloody Valentine one. Um, <laughs> yeah, the My Bloody Valentine one's kind of funny. They are tagged. Oh, next. oh the shit. Texas- that's Oscar a pop- that's a podcast. I thought that was something about the movie. Although actually, I like the um, I like the Silent Night, Deadly Night one best because it actually makes sense. You've made it through Halloween. Now try and survive Thanksgiving. Right. Because Thanksgiving is in between Halloween and Christmas, and it's Thankful Night, Deadly Night. <laughs> no, I'm really looking. For- thanksgiving um the only complaint i have is you know how the they they didn't do the like kind of fake film grain they did for like uh machete and those other grindhouse movies but uh yeah i mean it looks like a fun slasher film four days ago winnie the pooh blood and honey 2 director promises over 30 kills an upcoming sequel eh, i'm not I, watching that I have no interest in that. It just looks like another like cheap, low-budget slasher film. Winnie the Pooh is one of those properties that's like near and dear to my heart, and I really don't want to ruin that. <laughs> uh, what is this? Evil begets evil. Oh, that's a podcast. The Horror Queers podcast. Yeah, did, a review, did a review of Apt Pupil. That's a movie I need to see. You, you yeah, that one. That? No, but I did read the short story, and the short story was really good. Yeah, I need to see that movie. Mm. 
Yeah, unfortunately, you're right. There's really not a lot in terms of news stories. That's kind of upsetting. You would think that there would be something worth talking about with Halloween only a few days away. Hopefully, as in the next like couple days, as the holiday gets closer, we get some actual like I don't know some reveals of I don't know movies or something. Well, but uh, I guess are you we... ready to get into the new blood? Hell yeah, I love talking Friday, dude. Let's do it. All right, so Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven: The New Blood. This movie is directed by the late John Carl Buechler. Um, this movie was released in May thir- May thirteenth, nineteen eighty eight. Budget of two point eight million, grossed about nineteen point two million at the box office, so pretty much normal around that time period for what you'd expect. Pretty good, pretty good return, I would think. You know, I mean, Paramount really just pumped these movies out on the cheap. Um, the, the movie stars Lyle Park Lincoln, Kevin Blair, Susan Blue, Terry Kaiser, Kane Hodder, and his first going as Jason. So what you actually should be saying is the movie stars Kane Hodder and a whole bunch of terrible actors who will never work again. Well, one of them in here worked again. Elizabeth Katane worked again. We've seen her before. And what? You don't remember her, the girl that played Robin? No, I, I know Robin, but I don't remember her from what else. Uh, the one I know is uh, Heidi Kozak, who plays Sandra. She uh, was also in Slumber Party Massacre 2 and something else that I forget. You're going to have but to remind me who Sandra is, because I could not keep the names of these people straight. But I know Elizabeth... <laughs> I know Elizabeth Katane. She was in Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. Oh, my God. You're right. Is she the girlfriend in that one? Yeah, I believe she was. Whoa. Yeah, she was Jennifer. Well, that just goes to tell our listeners how much of an impact she made. (laughs) Yeah, she was like. She was like. You know, getting Ricky all kind of like goody goody, and then he snapped and went out on garbage day. Yeah, that's true. He like killed her with the uh, antenna or something. And then, and then of course, yeah. And then of course, she's been in like a bunch of Friday the Thirteenth related stuff. She was in. the His Name Was Jason documentary. She was in the Crystal Lake Memories documentary. She's, holy shit, dude. She's actually worked. Um, She was working all the way up until 1999. Hmm. Well, there you go, Elizabeth. Uh, I think a lot of what she was doing was like parodies and shit. Like she was in something called Vice Academy. The parody film. Um, Spy Hard with Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> Assault of the, a, oh, no, no, this one's definitely for you. Assault of the Killer Bimbos. Oof. That sounds too terrible even for me, dude. 
What are you talking about? Hey, I have a limit with this, like, fucking direct-to-video shit, Cordell. Like, a lot of this crap is unwatchable. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Friday Part 7. The, uh, the second one of what I like to call, and I wanted to touch on this really quick, Cordell, is I was thinking about it, and really... The Friday series can be divided up, or at least I divide up in my mind, into like two phases, right? You have uh, one through five, which are more of the serious, straightforward slasher films. And then uh, from part six through Freddy vs. Jason, you get into what I kind of call the uh, comic book movies, sort of. Where each movie, they're like, all right, we need to throw Jason in with a gimmick. You know, we started in part six when they just were like, all right, let's just resurrect him. Bolt of lightning style. Frankenstein. Yeah. yeah part six was like influenced by like universal horror. And then every movie after that, they're just like, all right, let's take Jason and do something wacky with him. Jason goes to New York on a long boat ride. Jason goes to hell and body hops. Jason in space. Jason versus Carrie? Yeah, which is what we get today. You know this you know this movie also has another nickname? What's that? Um I wanna say it was either the his name and was Jason documentary or it was Crystal Lake Memories. But they talk about how a couple of the male actors in this movie were actually gay. Yeah, and I've so heard that. I, this a lot of movie had the nickname Friday the 13th. <laughs> that must explain why every time there has to be like, you know, a making out scene or any sort of romantic tension, it just doesn't work. But we'll talk <laughs> about it. Um, so before we go into this, I'll give you your first piece of uh, trivia. Carrie right. Nunit. Carrie Noonan, who played Paula in Jason Lives, read for the role of Tina when she thought the film was called Birthday Bash. She quickly realized that it was a Friday the 13th film and confessed that she had been in the previous film, so Buechler decided not to cast her. Which would have been, which is very good, because that would have been very confusing. And for those who don't remember, like I didn't, Paula is the one random counselor who, uh, Jason breaks in, throws her corpse through the window, and then later, like, you just see a big bloody mess. So she doesn't really do anything. <laughs> but yes. Uh, yeah, so should we get into it? Yes. All right, so Friday the 13th, Part 7, and I watched this on the Scream Factory Blu-ray, which I have to say looks very good. For the most part, a couple of scenes, I was like, wow, I, that's a, you know, very detailed, good transfer. Uh, so we start off with a crazy Ralph voiceover. And yes, that is uh, Walt Gorney doing the voice. Did you know that, Cordell? Yep, that was actually one of the pieces of trivia here. So I can skip right past that one. And I think that's cool. I like it. Um, I don't think it's like really recognizable. I mean, you sort of get that impression, but he does certainly doesn't sound the same as when he's like, you're going to camp blood, ain't ya? Never come back again. I think it's kind of cool. Uh, like that, that makes that he's been in three Jason movies then. 
He has. Acted, I mean, acted in two, but... did a voiceover in one. We definitely want him back. We don't want uh, Abel or whoever the random dude from part three is. Or that fucking deckhand. <laughs> remember, remember the deckhand, Cordell? Dude, that deckhand. <laughs> the ship is doomed. Yeah, we're not going back to that. But so he has this cool, like, you know, there's a legend around here of a killer buried but won't stay dead. And kind of similar to, I guess. uh, I love this voiceover. Do you want me to go ahead and, like, like read it? There's a legend around here. A killer buried but not dead. A curse on Crystal Lake. A death curse. Jason Borey's curse. They say he died as a boy, but he keeps coming back. Few have seen him and lived. Some have even tried to stop him. No one can. just keep showing like clips from like part six part four i love this voiceover dude yeah no i think it's pretty cool it works a lot like um the opening of like part four does something similar to this you know my voiceover my my attempt at that was not nearly as cool because i didn't have like all the cool sound effects like in between my lines yes like the scene when they show the double impalement from part two and like the tip of the spear hits the uh like wood floor and it just echoes. Yeah, that is cool. But uh yeah, it eventually eventually it kind of just uh goes right into like the last like minute, you know, it recaps the ending of part six with Tommy on the boat and Do you wanna know something else? But this this opening where the camera pans down and goes through the gate and zooms in on Jason's tombstone. This is actually footage that was used for the Jason lives theatrical trailer. Oh, is it? I know. Um, yeah. Cause that's all that trailer was is they blew up the tombstone and then it said, uh, Jason lives. Yep. Except in that one, it was like, it was raining out and like they had, um, like, like church bells kind of like you know like the undertaker's theme that he used Mm. to come out to like the bells yeah 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 Yeah, that's pretty much all that was in the trailer yeah no i dug it but yeah so we uh we get the ending of part six uh with tommy you know uh getting the chain around jason and he lights the lake on fire and jason sinking into the lake and uh, that's when, you know, we get the credits, we get this cool effect of like all the light shining through the mask and uh, the mask splits in half and kind of like foreshadowing for what's going to come later. And uh, I think this is the last movie in the series that does the old school style, you know, the white credits on the black background. 
And I got to say, Cordell, though, just right off the bat, I do not like the score for this movie. Did you pay attention to the music? Um, Not really. I mean, the music. I mean, the music was who did the music? Was it Haley Manfredini? He's credited, but there's another guy, too. The thing that kept bothering me is, did you notice throughout the movie, whenever they did the it wasn't the classic one. They, like, kept changing it up. Yeah, that I did notice. I didn't know what that was about. But, yeah, over the opening credits, there's, like, this weird score that I don't like. And I, I can't even remember it to describe it for the listeners. But, yeah, I'm, I don't think the music in this one is, uh, like, there's no Sail Away, Tiny Sparrow, or Part 4 has some good music. They should have done what Part 6 did and got, like, some rock and roll. Hell yeah, or they should have done part three and gotten the disco back. I don't think that would have worked in this in 1988. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so after the credits are done, we cut to Crystal Lake and we get this cool shot where like the camera pans underwater and we see Jason is uh, still down there. Um, and I think it's kind of nifty because this is like the only time in the movie where they took Kane Hodder and dressed him up like part six with the gloves and all. Yeah, he's the only thing he's missing is the belt. The belt's rotted away at this point. And I guess we're to assume this is, you know, at least a couple of years after part six. I'm not even going to try to explain the Friday timeline. I This has got to be. This has got to be at least a decade, dude, because this opening, we're going to see Tina as like a six as like a seven, eight year old girl. And then when we jump again, she's like maybe 19 maybe 20 years old this has got to be a decade yeah no i agree i I think it jumps 10 years because that's i mean we see jason in this movie and you know he's still got the gloves on the belt's pretty much rotted away and then when we see him again in like the time the actual movie takes place he's all fucked up oh yeah so we uh we pan up and we see uh young Tina, who is played by uh who plays the little girl Cordell. Um, young Tina. Who? You know what? Question: Who plays young Tina? Um, it's not telling me on here. Wait, I think I got it. Well, whoever this chick is, she is coming to us. Actually, I'm not seeing anything, so sorry, lady. But she's the same chick who's coming right off the set of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, where she also played the little girl. Doesn't this girl look very much like Carol Ann from Poltergeist, though? She does. Oh, her name's Jennifer Banco. And uh, yeah, I just saw her. Yeah, I just, I just. So massacre three. Yep, I just found. I because I'm on IMDb right now. Jennifer Banco. Uh. Let's see. She's an actress known for The New Blood, Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw 3. Oh, she was also in the movie Bob Wire. Never heard of it. 
You've never heard of Bob Wire with Pam Anderson? Nah, I'm not a big, or I don't know that much about Pamela Anderson. Is it good? I think it's like fucking hilarious. It's I think it's based on like a comic book or like a graphic novel about like a stripper, like a badass stripper who also is like a secret agent or something like that. I don't know who she was in that, but yeah, that's a it's a, it's a decent film. I'd recommend checking it out. She was also in that uh, 13 fanboy. I heard that was awful, dude. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Uh, I mean, I know they got, like, a lot of people from the whole Friday the 13th series, but I also understand, I think it's basically, like, they had a camera at a convention and was like, let's film a movie, you know what I mean? Yeah, she's worked, just... Except, well, the most recent credits have a... 2023 he was in something called the searching oh okay don't know what that is anyhow moving on (laughs) anyway so we see young tina she's uh crouched by a door listening to her parents fight and i gotta i gotta repeat the dialogue there's a couple of things the dialogue in this movie that i just had to write down because the mom goes don't drink anymore and the dad goes don't tell me what to do slap Please tell me that you are not like this. No, 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 no. I just found it amusing. So little Tina, she runs out onto the dock. We see let, Their house is right by the lake. And I guess somehow the parents hear that. She hops onto a boat and like paddles out like not even paddles. It's like a motorized boat, like, you know, like 10 feet away from the dock or something. Well, the dad runs out and, you know, like most abusive fathers, I assume, he's like, oh, I'm sorry, baby, I won't do it, blah, 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 I didn't mean it. And uh, I got to say, while this this uh, girl was pretty good in Texas Chainsaw 3, I think her acting is terrible in the uh, five minutes here because she basically just keeps going, Daddy, no! Are we not going to talk about her face, like? That she makes right before her telekinesis powers starts to fuck up the dock. Where she like kind of like bulges her eyes and puffs up her like cheeks a little. (laughs) Yeah, it looks it looks stupid. She looks like she's trying to poop. (laughs) Like it's so bad. Like every time I see this scene and I look at that stupid look on her face, it's like. You're not scary, girl. <laughs> so, yeah, so she uh she starts using her telekinesis because turns out this chick is telekinetic and she's, she's making the water bubble and the dock go back and forth. And the mom runs out at this point and she's yelling, Tina. And I got to say, Cordell, this dad's an idiot because this guy has like a solid two minutes when the dock is just like shaking and all he's doing is like hanging on. And I'm like, dude, just run, like run back to land. <laughs> Run back to land or just jump in the fucking lake? Who cares if you get a little wet? He's like right on the edge, right? I'm like, dude, you can just jump in the lake. What kills him? Like, does a piece of wood fall on him? I think so. But yeah, so she makes the dock collapse. And I got to say, it looks like this dude falls into like maybe 10 feet of water. (laughs) 
and you even see him moving. I'm like, that does not look fatal at all. But I guess we're supposed to take it that like a piece of the roof or something hits him. And uh, I got to say, too, dude, like major, major, like, fuck the mom. This is all the mom's fault because you can't tell me the mom can't dive in there and like drag his ass out. She probably was like, he just slapped me. Fuck that guy. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. The mom is the real bad guy here. Not like, uh, not that the dad's not abusive, but like, you know, like later they're like, you know, Tina's the one who caused the death. I'm like, I don't know. I didn't see you doing much to help him out. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so Tina, like we cut to teenage Tina now uh, played by Laura Park Lincoln. And she's driving with her mom, Amanda. And I think they're the shepherds, right? Yeah, Tina Shepherd. And uh, we just get some dialogue where she's basically like, I don't really like Dr. Cruz, who's her psychologist. And okay, uh, they I don't pass- like Dr. Cruz either. They pass a sign that says Crystal Lake, five miles. Yeah, and only at. Yeah. If you want another nail in the coffin of why this woman is a horrible fucking mom. OK, so she's taking her daughter. To Dr. Cruz. To Crystal Lake to help her out, right? Mm-hmm. What what is the logic in that? You killed your dad ten years ago when you were a little girl. You have unchecked trauma. How can I help you? Let me take you back to the place where your father died. You feel better? <laughs> Well, we're going to find out, Cordell, that Dr. Cruz might not be uh, also altruistic. Well, Dr. Cruz yeah. aside, I'm talking about the mom here. Oh, well, the mom's just an idiot. She's basically like, oh, whatever the doctor says, you know. Do you do you get the sense uh, that, like, the doctor and the mom have, like, a thing going on? Because I sort of do. I uh, hope not. Also, I got to say, the mom's hair bothers me in this movie, Cordell. She just looks, like, strange. She, it looks like they were trying to make a... Um, it looks like the, the hair they gave her, they were, like, they were trying to make her and Tina look related. I don't know Susan Blue from a lot. Mm-hmm. And nothing... Like, I'm going over her filmography here, and nothing here. I mean, she's done a lot of, like, voiceover work for, like, kid stuff. Like, she, so she did a voiceover work in The 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. She did the Mm -hmm. voice of Flim Flam. Do you remember that annoying little shit? Uh, vaguely. Uh, she did voiceover work for Chippendale, Rescue Rangers, Clifford the Big Red Dog, DuckTales. Um. So she hasn't done a lot. <laughs> Jackie Chan Adventures, she's done a couple Land Before Time stuff. Uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of fucking, um, like, Oh, most recently she did voiceover work for, like, one of the newer Ninja Turtles stuff. Oh, no. Cordell always finds the connection. Yeah, so... 
I mean, I recognize a lot of titles on here that she's been in, that she's done voiceover work. Mm-hmm. Um, She did a voice for, I don't know if you were a Transformers fan, but that 1986 movie, Transformers the movie. Nope, never seen it. Oh my fucking God, I do know this bit. Oh my God. From what? Um, she did the voiceover for one of my favorite Scooby-Doo movies. It was, uh, Scooby-Doo and the Ghoul School. Oh, yeah, I like that one. Um, 1988, that's the one with, that's one of the three that had just Shaggy, Scrappy, and Scooby. Mm-hmm. She was the yeah. voice, she was the voice of Dracula's daughter, Sibella the Vampire. I vaguely remember that. Oh, good for her. Yeah, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Grandma got one over. Okay. Yep. Finding Nemo. Yep. Cause. Yep. That's pretty much what I expect from this woman. So. What? Impressive resume. Not. Ah. Could, wouldn't, would, I would not be able to pick her out if I like just hearing her voice. Yeah. Nothing. Uh, seems like generic. Generic voice actor. <laughs> But yeah, so they pull up to uh they pull up to two houses and basically what we have here is uh basically the Friday the thirteenth part four scenario, once again, where you have these two houses that are basically like across the road from each other. Yeah, and but Friday the thirteenth part four didn't have anyone as bitchy as Melissa. Oh my god. So this, they roll up ugh. You have the one, uh, the one house has all the partying teens in it. And you have these two chicks sunbathing out there while Nick is, uh, I think he's like working on a car or something. And yeah, as soon as, uh, they pull up and Tina gets out to, um, you know, uh, unload her luggage right away, it cuts to Melissa and she's like, there goes the neighborhood. Oh, and it's like, why? Why are you such a bitch? I love, you know, we both watched like the cut scenes from this movie. There was a little bit extra of this where one of the girls was sunbathing with her and says, Melissa, why you got to be such a bitch? (laughs) Oh, this has got to be my most hated character in this entire fucking franchise. Uh, Well, spoiler it. I don't really like any of the characters in this movie. I can... I can give a pass to some of them. I don't mind Nick, even though he's not necessarily a heartthrob. Oh, I. I yeah, don't. So I don't mind Robin. She's got nice tits. That's about all she's got going for her. <laughs> God damn. I'm not gonna lie, dude. Just ahead, I didn't like any of these people like at all, and I was thinking that throughout the whole movie. I just was like, no, I hate who- all of you. Who is Sandra? Who's like the geeky, dopey girl? The Uh, one who's like a nerd the entire film, and then the moment she like dolls herself up, she gets killed. That is Maddie. That's Maddie? Yes. And that's another thing this movie does a terrible job of, is introducing you the characters, because if people's names get said, they get said like once. Okay. Well, I got it. I got it all written down. Don't worry. worry. Since these people are all since you are saying that all these people are terrible. 
I will click on some of these people's uh, filmography and just see if we know them from anywhere else to prove if they have or have not ever worked again. Do you want me to keep going? or No, go ahead for now. Because I can't click on... I think the woman that played Melissa, Susan Sullivan, she... uh. She passed away, I think. I don't think she really got much out of her career. Yeah, I know she, uh, I think she passed away pretty soon after this movie. Uh, I can quickly go ahead and continue. Let me go, I'll go up to a thing and see if I can check. Yeah, so these two girls are, um, and I don't even know who all are sunbathing out here. I think it is Sandra and Melissa. And Sandra is played by Heidi Kozak, who was also in Supper Party Massacre 2 and Society and then did a couple TV things and never worked again. Okay, she lived at least past 1997 because she's only been in three things. And only one of them is something we know. Well, there you go. I rest my case, folks. So both of both of these girls are basically like drooling over, you know, hunky Nick. And I got to say, Cordell, this guy, Nick, uh, Kevin Spertus is the actor. Um, he is the bl- I, I might have well, just called him Blandy McBland. Because he's like, oh, she's not dead. Who, Melissa? The woman that plays Melissa, Susan Jennifer Sullivan, she's not dead. What? I, Dude, I heard on, like, at least so many podcasts that she was dead. She's alive? Yeah, like, because it, it says here, um, uh, Susan Grace Sullivan, known, uh, known for Friday the 13th, blah, blah, blah. She was married to Dr. Andrew Nichol from 1991 to 22. She is a cancer survivor and still lives in California. In 2012, the Crystal Lake Memories documentary mistakenly reported about her passing, confusing her with a woman of a similar name. Holy shit. As of 2021, she is still living in California and maintains a presence on social media. Oh, wait. Okay, I want to I want to digress on this because I've heard on so many like podcasts and stuff that this chick is dead. All right, here we go. Well, yeah, because in one of the Jason documentaries I have, the the the, the like Elizabeth Catan, the girl that plays Robin, was talking about her, saying like, you know, it's so sad she couldn't be here with us. She was such a sweet girl, nothing like she was on screen. So even her coworkers think she was dead. <laughs> Okay, so here, uh, the Crystal Lake Memories documentary tracked the wrong woman, a Susan Jean Sullivan from Massachusetts. Uh, Susan Jennifer Sullivan um, survived leukemia, whereas the other woman unfortunately passed away from leukemia. Wow, I did not know that. That's news to me. If you're listening to this, folks, listen. Uh, Yeah, she's still alive. That's good for her. That's awesome. I don't think... like does i highly doubt she'll ever listen to this but uh miss sullivan um glad to know that you're still alive and not dead like we like i thought you were for the past decade and a half 
Yeah, it says uh, she doesn't do the convention circuit or really talk to fans, but um, some fans have been able to reach out to her mother and her daughter, and basically, you know, she's they've been like clarified that she's okay. Ah, well, there you go, folks. You heard it here first, and a couple internet forums, it looks like. But I think we're the first podcast Cordell to ever call that out. She's still alive. So that good, good. good. <laughs> so anyway, so now this is the part, and I gotta say, Cordell, also, I do not like Laura Park Lincoln in this movie. I think she always has this just like look of like, I don't know how to describe it on her face. But so she's unpacking the luggage, and uh, she drops it, and it spills open. Well, Nick runs over to like help her out, and I'm like, okay, he's just being a good guy. But I don't understand this for some reason. She basically like turns on him and she's like, uh, I forget what she says, but she basically is like, oh, thanks. I couldn't have done it without you. And like, he's like, ah, I screwed up. And I'm like, he he just was trying to help her with the luggage. Like, yeah, La Pog Lincoln is someone, another one who really hasn't had much of a career. I mean, she's had a little bit, but not much. Beverly Hills, 90210. Murder she wrote. Thirteenth fanboy. <laughs> she was in she was in an episode of Freddy's Nightmares. Oh boy. Um have you watched any of that? She was of? nominated in twenty twenty one the Fantastic Horror Film Festival Award for Best Actress in a Free Feature Film. There is no way. Oh, that's because she was in that uh you you know how we talk about fan films not Every once in a while. Mm-hmm. They actually got her back to reprise the role of Tina in that in that 2021 fan film, Roseblood. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you watched that. They also got Dr. Cruz back, I think. Yes. And let me just. Oh, she was in the house. She was in House 2. Which has the best title ever, House 2. The, the second, second story. Yo, true story. It annoys the shit out of my girlfriend because randomly we'll be like on a road trip or something and I'll just start giggling because I'll think house two, the second story. <laughs> yeah, I got some thoughts on Roseblood, but we'll save that for now. Oh, you have you seen it? Yes, I have. Oh, good. Because I was just thinking, I was like, one of us should have watched that. All right. Save it for after the movie. Um, but yeah, so basically we cut inside and this is when we meet Dr. Cruz, who's there, Tina's psychologist. And, you know, he says hi and uh, basically Played by Terry Kaiser. Yep. Mm. Has he done anything interesting? Weekend at Bernie's. Eh, that's not and Weekend at Bernie's, too. Oh, boy. Um, oh, um, the, the Mutilator 2 from this year. I want to I wanna see that. From a Whisper to a Scream, Surf 2. Um, Damn, and the T-Rex. So really nothing. Um, He's been in a lot of, a bit of television. Hawaii Five-0, Walker, Texas Ranger. Mannequin 2, On the Move. Murder, She Wrote. That's another Murder, She Wrote reference here. 
yeah, okay. So, something. And uh, so Dr. Cruz and Tina, they're in a uh, session, and he basically wants her to use her uh, telekinesis to move a matchbook. And this is when we kind of get it explained to us that basically if uh, Tina's not, like, upset or, like, uh, her emotions are running high, she can't really use her telekinesis. But they, uh, they basically, he basically starts yelling at her, and she's able to move the matchbook, and we get some fun little, like, you know, stop motion as it moves across the desk. And I love the dialogue when he's like, what were you thinking about? And she looks at him, she's like, I was thinking about you. <laughs> yeah, let's, um, do you want to just see, you want me to just read this line for you in the Wikipedia page? Please do. Dr. Cruz. He begins a series of experiments in, quote, verbal assaults designated to agitate Tina's mental state. Oh, yeah, because after she moves the matchbook, he basically starts yelling at her because she's like, are you really trying to help me? And he's like, like, you know, this is do you want to go back and live, you know, be in the institution. And uh, she like freaks out and sets the matchbook on fire. Which yeah, is which cool. is exactly what this motherfucker is playing with, with his uh, constant, like, bullshit. Mm-hmm. So we cut right from there to two teens fucking in a van. And uh, this is Sandra. And I will admit, Cordell, I have no idea what the guy's name is, the guy whose uncle owns the house. So sorry, buddy. But uh, he makes a really good point because they're fucking, and he basically looks at her, and he's like, if this is my uncle's house, why are we sleeping in the van? And she just kind of giggles and is like, who says we're sleeping? But I'm like, ah, that's a good point, dude. You claim the best bedroom for yourself. Because <laughs> we're going to see later, he, like, he gives the stoner the one bedroom. Like, you know, I'm like, nah, dude. But then later on, the uh, the one um, African-American couple, they, like, steal the van, so... Where were they going to sleep anyway? And, there was uh, a joke to be said there, but I'm just not going to say anything. <laughs> so uh, we cut to like a little bit later that evening and uh, Tina's like talking for mom about, you know, uh, how much she misses her dad. So she runs out onto the dock. And Tina starts, like, kind of, like, using her telekinesis and making the water bubble. And that makes me question, Cordell, do you think they retrieved the dad's body from the lake? I don't think they retrieve anything from this lake. Because if not, like, again, the dude was fucking, like, in 10 feet of water, like, 20 feet off the dock. <laughs> like, Luke, the crystal... <laughs> Tommy Jarvis and Megan put a chain around Jason's neck and put him at the bottom of the lake. And I would assume the next day, all the police showed up to cart away all the bodies. He killed some cops. So that was definitely going to have a FBI presence. And nobody went down there to get him. Nah, but it took him going up to New York before the FBI was like, all right, we, we have got enough of this shit. <laughs> Let's just blow him up. So I don't the, the 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 lake in this camp is not well maintained. No, that's very true. 
Well, but Tina, I, I have a question for you. Okay. So she goes, she goes on the dock and she starts looking out at the water. And she's looking in the general area where Jason is buried. Are we supposed to think that maybe Jason is somehow calling out to her to get her attention? Or is it just purely happenstance? No, I don't think so. So I did notice I was paying a lot of attention during that scene. And I noticed something interesting, which is that it's not that she frees Jason right away. Because uh, so we cut underwater and this is when we see Jason and all his like clothes are rotted and shit. But he's just sta- like, you know, floating there motionless. Then she makes the water boil, like bubble up. And uh, she wakes Jason up. So I don't think I don't think Jason was like calling out to her. I think he was just basically dead and like lying under the lake. Yeah, I don't and, think he was dead because it, um because we saw at the end of part six, after Tommy put him under, we had that final close-up on his eye. I think, you know, like you said, he was motionless. Maybe he was, like, just taking an underwater nap. <laughs> he was you know, hybrid. He was just, yeah, like, he's been down there for so long, he's like, well, shit. Okay. And then, yeah, she makes the water bubble up around him. And... <laughs> It wakes him up, and I love how he's, like, looking around, like, what the fuck? He's like, how'd I get here? But, uh, so she snaps the chain. Of course, you would think, uh, you know, you'd think him being underwater, you'd think he could just grab the chain, pull himself down a little bit, undo the chain from around his neck, and just float back to the top. Well, hey, now, Jason is a mongoloid, you know, He's, he's not the brightest bulb. Really? Because watching this movie, I think he is smart. <laughs> oh, no, he's not smart. And I'll explain it in a little bit. So uh, we get this cool shot where Jason pops out of the water and Tina sees it. And uh, she sees him and she's got like this look of like, what? And then just passes the fuck out. And this is kind of confusing because... uh. Jason pops out, like, what would you say, like, 50 feet away from her, right? Like, he, I think he sees her, or I assume he does. But then we cut, we see Jason, like, walking out of the lake, but it's not with any of the houses in the background. So I guess he popped up and then, like, walked to the other side of the lake. Yeah, he swam. But this is, like, I, I love this shot. This is when we get the iconic shot where you see... Uh, oh, yeah, you see, his, you see his back, you see his spine, then it cuts to the front as he's, like, walking menacing towards the camera. You can see his rib cage. You can oh, see, yeah. you know, piece of his, the part, piece of his mask is missing where Megan chipped it away with the boat motor in part six, and you can see his teeth and everything. And I will agree, Cordell. I think Jason looks the best he has ever looked in this movie. Well, I mean, this is one of his... When people draw Jason, this is one of the uh, most popular ones that people draw. I still like how he looks in part six. But I will will admit, unlike part six, where we never got to see him without his mask, we we will get to see that in this movie. Yeah, I think part uh part three, part four, part six, and part seven are kind of like when people think of Jason, that's what they think of. I like his look in part six, and I know even if the movie is not good to you, I like how he looks in part eight too. 
like, uh, yeah, I don't really like. He looks okay in Part Eight. Now, I would when he has the mask on. I think in Part Eight he looks awesome. How he's like all waterlogged and slimy. Like the mask mm. is kind of yellowed a bit. I really do like that. It's what he looks like without the mask in Part Eight that I'm like, well, keep that on. The one where they really drop the ball, and even though I think it's one of the better movies, is in Freddy vs. Jason. I don't like his look in Freddy vs. Jason. Oh, I thought that movie, I thought he looked, I thought he looked cool in that one. I was, I was disappointed we never got to see him without the mask. Yeah. I don't know, he he looks weird to me in Freddy vs. Jason, but to why, be discussed. Is it he's, why, is it because he's carrying a big fucking coat? Yeah, I don't really like the coat look. Although he wears a coat in the remake, but I think he looks cool in the remake. I try not to understand your logic. <laughs> hey, man, I like what I like. I think he looks awesome in the opening of Jason Goes to Hell, too. That's one of my favorite looks. Oh, yeah, and Jason Goes to Hell, he looks cool. Like, the mask eating into his flesh. The, like, jumpsuit all torn up and shit. Like, yeah, he looks awesome in that. So, Jason walks out of the water. Yep. And uh, so we cut back, and Dr. Cruz and Tina's mom, they find her, and she basically tells them, like, you know, a man came out of the lake, and uh, Cruz is basically like, ah, you're hallucinating. And Tina freaks out at him and breaks the glass over a picture of her dad. And uh, so then we cut to uh, these two bozos. And we'll find out one of them is Michael, and I don't know what the chick's name is. We need to we need to like address that the whole reason why she went on that little moment and resurrected Jason was because she went into a room in the house and there's a big picture of her dad on the wall. And she flipped. Oh, was that what triggered that? I didn't catch that. Yeah, that's what I believe. That's what I thought. I just got that, like, being there made her, like, really sad and miss her dad and all. Well, you know, abusive, <laughs> drunken dad. <laughs> put it all in a group and throw a rock, and whatever one you hit, that's the reason. But, uh, yeah, so we cut to these two people who have, like, a broken-down car by the side of the road. And... uh one of them's Michael and with his girlfriend. I don't know what her name is, and I don't really care. Oh, yep. So we it should be stated that every all the kids at the cabin are waiting for Michael to show up because it's his birthday. Yep, and they're going to do a surprise party. And we get some dialogue where the chick's like, well, Nick can come pick us up. And he's like, well, why would Nick be here? And she's like, well, this is supposed to be a surprise, but now it's ruined. Happy oh, birthday. You've, you've seen the actor that played Michael before. In what? Um, he was in Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 is Ryan. Oh, no shit. He's that guy? Yep. He's, he's in that movie, too. He was he was Ben in two episodes of Freddy's Nightmares, and he was in... He was in the 1990 remake of Night of the Living Dead by Tom Savini. Wow, so this guy just has made, like, a whole career out of these, like, B-movies. Well, um, he's 
He's better in Texas Chainsaw 3, I will say. He, he was in Ghoulies 2. Um, he was in the a 1990 horror film called Buried Alive. So he mostly does, looks like he mostly does like horror movies. Because he's also been a he's also been a writer, a director. Oh my god. You are gonna love it. But he was the writer for a couple Return of the Living Dead movies. He was also the the writer on Ginger Dead Man. Ginger Dead Man 2, Passion of the Crust, and Ginger Dead Man 3, Saturday Night Cleaver. Good for him. Yeah, a worthy career, if ever there was one. That that was a really big fuck you that just came out of you. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. He wasn't that great in Texas Chainsaw 3. He's not that great here. But to be fair, he doesn't really do anything. Isn't he the guy in Texas Chainsaw 3 that gets strung upside down and has that big hammer come down on his head? Yeah, but before that, he's just like kind of a dick. (laughs) What else are you? Well, they're walking through the woods, and uh, we see Jason stalking them. But I, I just want to point out, Cordell, though, we saw their car break down by the sign that said Crystal Lake five miles. So I have to ask you, if your car is broken down and you know that there's like, you know, presumably all your friends, a warm house, a hot shower, et cetera, five miles down the road, are you going to walk like a mile and be like, yeah, let's just camp for the night? No, I'm going to walk those five fucking miles. Because <laughs> that's what I said. I was like, why the fuck are you camping? Just fuck it, suck it up and walk the, you know, two hours or whatever, however long it takes you. And, uh, you know, get to your friends. But they decide to go off into the woods. He has some stupid line when he's like, the woods are the woods, you know. And uh, so we also see Jason walking through the woods. So I'd like to point out that Jason got out of the lake and decided, you know what? I'm going to walk a couple miles, you know, stretch out the legs. And uh, oh, so, the girl walking with Michael, her name is Jane. Oh, well, hi, Jane. <laughs> Jane Doe. <laughs> so, uh. So Mike has to go take a piss, so he walks off into the woods, and Jane's sitting there. And yeah, you uh, don't gotta say her name with such contempt. <laughs> Dude, these are away characters. I don't care. You just well, really uh, hate these people's existence. <laughs> Jane's just kind of sitting, standing there in the woods, while Jason comes out of nowhere, grabs her by the head, and... uh he rams a tent spike into the back of her head. And this gets to our first kill, Cordell. And I, I made some little notes throughout this movie about, like, because everybody knows this film was cut to shit. And I was oh, like, yeah. which of the kills? I think Buchler, before he passed away, Buchler never failed to say in interviews, ratings board raped my movie. And he was right. Oh, he is. like. It's kind of funny that you say that, uh, because one of my pieces of trivia here, 
Uh, Director Buechler has publicly fumed many times over the years about the number of edits required by the MPAA to avoid an X rating. This movie, the film had to be submitted nine times before being granted an R rating, and it stands as the most heavily censored entry in the Friday series. And that's such a shame because uh, if you, once you see the like uncut kills, you're like, if only they could have kept that footage. And you know, you can only, I mean, I know the odds are incredibly slim, but you can only hope that maybe someday someone finds like an actual good copy of the footage. I don't know. Didn't you see? Didn't you see like the interview he gave before the footage? He said that most of that foot stuff was destroyed. Yeah, I know, but I always like to hope. <laughs> okay, well, uh, you that's what I don't like about Paramount back then. Like when they got done making a movie like this, they did not they like they rushed to destroy the footage. Like, I know once we're the movie, see, uh, like once the movie was put out, they were like, "Okay, get rid of that footage so it can never be like messed with again." It's like I don't know. I don't like that. We're very lucky that my bloody Valentine, somehow that footage survived. Yeah, I still I still hope that maybe someday we'll somebody somewhere has the footage of that double penetration kill in the mind. Hey, you like that double penetration footage, don't you, Cordo? <laughs> I got nothing. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I will. The My Bloody Valentine footage is in really good shape, especially compared to like the VHS work print that's on uh, the Friday Blu-ray. But yeah, so uh, for each of these kills, though, Cordell, I did make little notes because I was like, okay, which of these like still kind of work? You know what I mean? Like, which are acceptable and which are just butchered? And I gotta say, so Jason grabs Jane and uh, shoves the tent spike into her head. I think that one still is pretty good, and I don't even think there's any deleted scenes for it because you just uh, you see it all from the front of her head as he like shoves the spike into it and blood comes out of her mouth and pretty good kill. And uh, so Mike uh, Mike comes back, he finds Jane's body. Well, Jason pops out and he chases Mike through the woods and uh, pulls the uh, tent spike out from Jane's. Uh, I think it's in her head, yeah it's like in her chest he's got it like he's got it like he's got jane pinned to a tree and like he just comes out rips it out of her chest and she just slides down the tree Mm -hmm. i do like that so mike runs through the woods a while well jason finally has enough of his shit so he uh he tosses the tent spike right into mike's back and mike's now crying or crawling through the woods well jason walks up behind him and just kind of like picks him up and like rips the spike out of his back and i will say cordell and even in the uncut footage i don't really think you needed it like all it is is basically mike uh crawling through the woods some more and him kind of like struggling a little bit more when jason picks him up yeah and it was just a little like extra blood like i think in the cut and the uncut he just like spurts a shit ton of blood out of his mouth but I mean, I think it's fine. I, I I don't really have an issue with the theatrical version of these these two kills. 
What do you think? Wait, I can't wait to hear which one you do have a problem with. Yeah, no, some of them I think work, some don't. I mean, do you think these ones are okay? Yeah, these are just, these are what I call starter kills. Mm-hmm. So uh, we cut back, and uh, so Nick comes over to Tina's house. He knocks on the door, and he returns. I guess he kept one of her shirts and, like, ironed it or something. And uh, he's basically like, you know, hey, we're having a party over at my place. Come on over. And you immediately get the sense that, you know, like, Nick is in the Tina. And uh, I did like Tina's mom because she basically is like, well, you could hang out with me and Dr. Cruz. But she's basically encouraging Tina. You know, she's like, yeah, go over, have a good time. And Dr. Cruz, you know, has to be like evil because he's like, I thought we said no distractions. And the mom's like, well, isn't this what it's about? Trying to get her to be normal. And I love how like Cruz has to like pause for a second. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. That's what it's about. Yeah, almost got called out on his bullshit too early. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Nick brings Tina over to the party, and is it, it, like the kills are like intercut with this stuff too. And uh, we meet, uh, we meet all these like kind of uh, stock characters. I mean, I don't have a whole lot to say about them. I do like the one character who I sort of liked was Eddie. I like how every time we see him, he has like some new sci-fi uh, story. Like he's talking about. <laughs> It was Star Lecon this guy has big dreams and aspirations that's gonna go nowhere. <laughs> I did yeah. uh I did wanna no, go ahead. Yeah, you meet David, you meet Eddie, you meet Maddie. I think this is where you uh meet Robin. Yeah, are did we you know No, are we supposed to think that Robin and Maddie are like buddy buddy? Because later in the movie, Robin's gonna tell Maddie that you need to like, I don't know. Oh, she's, she's, she's basically gonna tell. She's basically gonna tell Maddie that you need to like prep, like prep yourself up better. Yeah, no, I definitely get the sense that Maddie and Robin are friends. Um, I did want to call out Robin's shirt in this scene. Did you notice this, Cordell? It has like a whole bunch of embroideries of the that cheese, the laughing cow cheese. I did not. I don't even know what the fuck that is. It's like the you get like the round like pieces of cheese and it's got the red cow on the front. Her shirt has like that icon on it in like three different places. I was like, what the fuck is that? The cheese cow? Anyway, are you talking about the fucking like balls of mozzarella cheese that come like covered, like wrapped up in wax? Baby bells? Uh, Sort of like that. But these are like the... um, it's like a pie. It's like they come in like triangular slices. I'm like my brain is so blank right now. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to call that out. But uh, yeah, we get this one guy, the guy whose uncle owns the place. And he has this line where he's like, this place looks like closing time at the stock exchange. And I'm like, boy, you're the life of the party. Jeez. And he's way too upset. He's like, you're eating my uncle's food. And I'm like, dude, he shouldn't have left the food there then. Um, so just real quickly, I um looked up the actor that plays Nick. Mm-hmm. And um, Kevin 
what's that? How do you pronounce his last name? Kevin Spiritus? Yeah, Spiritus. Mm. Um, not a whole lot. I mean, he's been in some names that I recognize. He was in The Hills Have Eyes Part 2 by oh, Wes Craven. Um, he was in this. He was in Quantum Leap. He was in uh, something called Bloodlust. He's he's another one that's had a lot in like television. Um, he was in the the movie Daredevil that 2003 Ben Affleck um comic book film Friends. He was in Apt Pupil. Okay. Um, he's mostly done like a lot of soap operas. Like he's been in Young and the Restless and Days of Our Lives. Oh, I can believe it. So he's a working actor. Yep. Good for him. So also at this party, we get introduced to Melissa, who comes in. Oh, this bitch. (laughs) Yeah, she immediately, uh, Tina and Nick walk in, and, you know, Tina talks with Eddie a little bit, and she walk. She's just walking around saying hi to everybody, and um, we get this sort of like. Did you catch this like little off-screen thing where like David, who's the sole character trait of David, is that he's a pothead because I think he has like five lines in the whole movie, and four of them are who wants to get high. Yeah, I think David's the one that's dating Robin. Well, I think Robin and Maddie both are into David, but David's into Robin. Yes. Well, uh, we get this kind of funny off-screen thing. Did you catch this? Where, like, in the other room, you hear him, like, crash into something, and then he comes in, and he's like, why would you put a lamp there? <laughs> I thought that was funny. But, uh... Oh. So Tina goes into the kitchen, and we get this really cool sort of, like, flash cut, where she's, like, holding a soda, but... um. Someone mentions uh, Mike, and she all of a sudden just sees Jason killing Mike right there in the kitchen, which I thought was pretty cool. And so, uh, you know, Tina, like, drops her drink and basically runs out because she's having these visions. And so she runs back over to the house with her mom and Dr. Cruz, and she sees the fucking, you know, uh, camp tent spike. It's, like, in the back porch. It's, like, embedded in the post. And so she, so she goes, yep, she runs okay. and gets her mom. She gets Doctor Cruz. Doctor Cruz come, goes says, "Okay, fine, I'll go look." Comes back, there's nothing there. They go to look, and of course, there's nothing there. So Cruz is trying to make Tina think that she's crazy. Mm, but we don't know that yet. Not yet. <laughs> So then we uh, we cut to two other bozos, and I really don't know these people's names, Cordell. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even gonna try. It's just <laughs> two people. It's just two people trying to get down and nasty in the woods in a tent. Wait, so I have a question for you, Cordell. So Jason hiked like you know however many miles it was out to kill Mike and Jane. Then does Jason leave the spike in her back porch? I don't know. I don't know what Jason's doing in this movie. Because if so, it means Jason then hikes back into the woods. <laughs> you got to understand, there's still 
four extra people that he's going to kill. We're about to get into the two right now with mm-hmm. the um, sleeping bag. The iconic sleeping bag kill. And then there's going to be one later at the lake. He's going to kill a girl who's out on the in the water and kill her boyfriend up on the beach. No, th- those guys are part of the teens. They're, um, yeah, they've been here the whole time. Okay, I just, mm, these, these characters are so ill-defined in this movie. Oh my god, I know. But yeah, so speaking of ill-defined characters, yeah, we get this guy and girl who are like out camping, sitting by the fire, and basically the guy's like, you know, let's go into the tent and, you know, have a little fun, and the chick's like, we need more wood, and, uh, the guy goes off to, uh, you know, chop some wood while the chick goes in the tent. And uh, so he, he has a machete with him and he's chopping some wood. Well, he's walking back with his arms full of it when uh, Jason comes up behind him and uh, does a redo of the part six kill. He takes his hand and uh, shoves it right through the guy's chest and rips his heart out. Except here's the first one I'm mad about, Cordell. In part six, we got to see Jason actually rip the guy's heart out. This movie? Yes. Yep, nope, they cut that. And that really annoys me, because in the deleted scenes, you actually got a shot from the front showing Jason, like, holding the guy's heart. So that pisses me off, but Jason gets his machete, at least. And, uh... Did you catch this, Cordell? They reused part four footage for like a 30 seconds here. No. So there's this one shot that's like coming up on the tent. And uh, like kind of looking through the trees. And that is actually a shot from part four. You remember the guy, Rob, who's hunting Jason? Yes. He has like a scene where he's going back to his tent. That uh, that is reused footage. And it just happens to work because both of the tents are yellow. <laughs> so, but, uh, so okay. this girl, she's lying in the tent. She's like, okay, I'm ready. Come get me, you big hunk of a man. <laughs> well, she sees some footsteps and she's calling out to him. Well, then the machete comes through the tent, rips aside, and she looks up. And Jason's like in the tent pulling her away. Well, she screams. And decides, well, the best thing to do is hide in my sleeping bag. So well, that's a mistake. So Jason, he grabs a sleeping bag and he drags it outside. She's squirming. She's trying to. I mean, she's the one that hid in it, so I don't know what she's expecting. Well, he uh, takes the sleeping bag over to a tree and he positions himself and he just swings this damn thing against the tree. One swing. Throws it down to the ground and she is dead. Now, we've watched the cut scenes. He swung that bitch like seven times. Mm-hmm. Like she was pulp in the in the uncut footage. But they did say in a documentary that the one swing is kind of more effective because it kind of shows like the power of Jason. 
And I agree with that. What do you think? I, I mean, I don't I don't need to see him keep heaving the bag. You know, it does work where he just drags her out one swing and we get the shot of her falling out bloody. That's the thing. She doesn't fall out bloody. She doesn't look that bloody. The sleeping bag is bloody. Oh, her face is all torn up. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe I just didn't see it that well. Maybe my uh, movie was just dimly lit. No, she's got like a couple scratches on her face, but yeah, I guess it should be like pulp. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. iconic. Definitely one of the better kills, and they're gonna recreate this in a few years with Jason X. Ah, they're gonna up it by having Jason beat the the one chick in the sleeping bag with the <laughs> other one. <laughs> So uh, we cut to the next morning and uh, we get a whole bunch of what I call useless dialogue with the kids next door where they just basically are bullshitting. This is when we get introduced to uh, Ben and Kate, who are the uh, African-American couple. And uh, they're just like, I don't know. I don't even know what they talk about, Cordell. I can't remember. They're just bullshitting. Yeah, we're going to skip through most of this like dialogue stuff because it's really not memorable. I mean, we're already telling it right now. They, these characters are so ill-defined. They don't, they're just here to die. And it's even not memorable because then we go outside and we get to see Nick and Tina like moping around. And like we get Nick's tragic backstory of like, you know, he was a rough kid who's. Oh got my gosh. Out. I love the extended footage of this where he's like following her through the woods trying to talk to her. And she's just blowing him off. And finally, he looks at her and says, you have a nice butt. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm so glad they cut that footage. They should have cut this whole scene, honestly. That is so bad, but it's so hilarious. Because then we get, you know, Nick tells her, like, his backstory. And Tina's talking about how, you know, she was responsible for her dad's death and I guess they both find that hot because Nick gets, you know, he kisses her. Well, little do uh, they know that Melissa is waiting in the shadows, listening to everything. Because Melissa has, like, a total crush on Nick. And Nick is just not having any of it. I can't wait till we get to that scene. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. <laughs> So we cut back to the house and the girls are like grilling some shish kebabs. I dig it. And uh, this is when we find out that both uh, both of Maddie and Robin are crushing on David, the pothead. And we find out that like Eddie has a little bit of a Eddie is into Melissa because. Uh, what's going on is Tina walks into the house and she's basically waiting for Nick because Nick is upstairs, I guess. Uh, and, you the know, only the only thing. The only other thing of note that this actress has been in, the actress that plays Maddie, she was in an episode of Freddy's Nightmares. There was a lot of people in Freddy's Nightmares in this movie. Yeah, Freddy's Nightmares, they were able to get a lot of like horror people, I guess because they all know each other. Like uh, Mick Garris did an episode that had, um, I forget who did it, but one of the chicks from Friday 6 was in it. Well, uh, so, yeah, so Tina's walking around and Maddie's kind of like talking with her. And, uh, yeah, Maddie and Robin are both into David. 
and uh this is when we get the robin is a bitch to maddie because uh maddie's like robin david looked at me and robin is basically like uh maddie david you're not really his type and you need to clean up a little bit damn i know i'm like you guys are friends well uh so melissa gets eddie to basically like pull up it's not even like a funny like prank or anything she basically hasn't put his jacket on backwards and she's like tina is this how they wear their jackets at the mental hospital but, uh, because so, tina's yep good yep so th- that right there so tina focuses her anger and melissa is wearing like this pearl necklace they make they they really make it that Melissa is like a socialite bitch, like her daddy's rich and her daddy's rich, her family's rich. Well, Tina takes those really nice pearls that Melissa's wearing and just destroys the fucking necklace. I think she chokes her with it, right? No, she doesn't choke her. She just like destroys the necklace. Um. So the necklace kind of just breaks and the pearls go everywhere while Tina runs away. Everyone else in the everyone else in the uh, kitchen are kind of like, "Holy shit, what just happened?" <laughs> Me- meanwhile, Mel- Melissa like bends down to the ground to pick up a pearl. She's all distraught about the necklace and she kind of looks off towards Tina with like a look of fury on her face. No sympathy for me, bitch. Mhm. And then Nick goes down. He's like, you know, what the fuck are you like? You know, what the hell are you guys doing? Well, Tina, she runs back and she's talking to Doctor Cruz and she's all like, you know, I could have killed a girl, et cetera, et cetera. And the doctor does, you know, what I assume every good psychologist says, where he says, um, you know, I believe you. And then in the very next sentence, he's like, but you're having delusions. <laughs> oh my and, god. Uh, yeah, I hate this fucking guy. So they start arguing again. Well, Tina, she gets, uh, she's, her mom's in the room too. And basically the doctor and her, the doctor keeps saying like, you know, do you want to go back to the hospital, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Tina gets so mad at him. She picks up a TV and like throws it at him. Oh, and I wish it would have hit him. <laughs> so uh, once again, Tina runs out. Have you noticed Tina does a lot of running out in this movie, Cordell? Oh, yeah. Something happens. She runs away. Mm-hmm. Well, she runs out onto her porch and runs right into Nick, who basically is like, hey, I'm sorry about Melissa. And I like how Tina's like, ah, fuck Melissa. Well, she basically is like, I think your cousin Michael, I think he's dead. And she's like, do you have a picture of him? And Nick's like, oh, yeah, I do. Which makes me wonder, why does he have a picture of uh, Michael and Jane in his wallet? <laughs> But he does. And uh, Tina's basically like, look, I think uh, I think your cousin's dead. And this is when I I think this movie gets really choppy with the editing, Cordell. Oh, my goodness. Well, first of all, I just want to say so Nick went up to we kind of went past the scene where Nick went up to Melissa and says, what's that stunt you just tried to pull with Tina? That girl, that chick's crazy. Besides, all is fair in love and war. And Nick's like, 
I don't like you, Melissa. And Melissa gets this creepy smile says, like has nothing to do with it. Yeah, I didn't get that because he's literally like doing everything to say, I am not interested in you. And she just is like, ah, you're just playing hard to get. (laughs) I hate this bitch so much. Oh, she's so utterly irredeemable. You know who should be a good match for Cordell? The uh, the guy from the remake. Oof. Trent. Who just like exists to be a douchebag for no reason. So. Um. So this is when we cut to the two people walking outside. And this is Sandra. And I'm not sure what the other guy is. But he's the dude whose uncle owns the house. And oh, yeah. uh, we so they go to the they're the ones that go to the lake, right? Yeah. So we cut right from Nick and Tina to them walking out to the lake, and we get this funny dialogue where he's like, "When did you first fall in love with me?" And she's like, "When I saw the size of your big, fat wallet." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and this is kind of confusing because they're like literally like twenty feet away from the house, right? And she's just like, "Ah, oh, let's go skinny dipping." <laughs> Well, she strips and she runs into the lake. Always got to love a good stripping. Mm-hmm. Although we do not get a boob shot. Well, her boyfriend, he is like getting really excited. So he goes up against the tree and he's, st- he's so excited he can't even get his shoes off. She pop. Well, Sandra pops up from the lake telling him to hurry up. Well, we get a POV shot of her boyfriend. He sits, he's at the uh, tree trying to get his shirt off. He looks up and he sees Jason. When he starts backing away, well, Jason comes up. And I don't know, does he have the machete or does he have an axe? I think it's an axe. In this he, he does this really sweet uppercut on this fucker's face. It splits this guy's face wide open. Yeah, man. And this is one where I wish we got to see the uncut because in the uncut footage, you then cut to like a close up where the guy's like twitching and you see his face all like cut in half, basically. Yep. And then when she sees him on the when it, when Sandra sees him on the beach, it does another close up to his face. Really, mm-hmm. really good stuff. You get, like a, get you get like a quick shot of it in the theatrical cut, but it's like blinking you miss. Yeah, you just get like a long shot when she looks up and uh, sees him from a distance and then she sees Jason. But the thing I don't understand, Cordell, is, yeah, she's right outside the house and she's like screaming bloody murder and nobody notices like. Well, these kids are like these kids are all in their own little world. Well, uh, so she's. Yeah, so Sandra is just kind of chilling in the middle of the lake well somehow jason when it got into the lake he comes up down from underneath her and he pulls her into water we don't really see what he does to her because the next time we see sandra her body just goes flopping up onto the beach and then dragged away yeah i i assume he just drowned her but you know who knows So, uh, yeah, I mean, Sandra's kill, I I think it's pretty cool that Jason kills someone in the lake. But, yeah, uh, the other guy's kill, definitely. Wish we had the uncut version. 
so we cut to Tina, and she overhears her mom and Dr. Cruz. Um, well, it sh- okay, so it should be stated that at this point, Mrs. Shepard has snuck into Dr. Cruz's office. And she's reading uh, Cruz's notes. And this is where the gig is up for Dr. Cruz. She she now realizes that Cruz is using her daughter uh, not to help her, but to make her use her powers and to try to, like, get famous from it. Basically, he's writing, yeah. like, a paper. Oh, she got yeah, because she plays a VHS tape where he basically says, like, you know, in order to keep her telekinesis high... I need to keep her basically stressed out and like her trauma levels high. And yeah, she, Dr. Cruz, like this guy is so slimy, Cordell, because he's always trying to like talk his way out of it. Yeah, this, no, this dude reminds me of the uncle in part eight. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I forgot about that guy. So Dr. Cruz comes in and they start getting into an argument. Well, now that Cruz knows that the gig is up, He's just automatically going to have Tina committed. It's like, I'm a doctor. She's getting committed. She killed her father. Look what she almost did to me. Well, Tina hears this and she runs away again, more running. And uh, talk about it. I realize like every scene ends with Tina running. (laughs) And she runs uh, into Nick again. No, this is when she steals the car keys. Oh, okay. I got confused. Yeah, so she grabs the car keys and hops into the car. And uh, so while while this is happening, we cut back to the party. And this is when uh, Robin is dancing with David. And so Maddie, she gets all jealous. And so she goes upstairs to apply makeup. And And I won't lie. I won't lie. Maddie, when she takes off those big bubble-headed glasses and, like, just as just a little bit of eyeshadow, she don't look too bad. Nah, she she's, cleans up good. Like, and I love it when she gets done. She's like, needs to clean up my ass. I like how she gets like confident all of a sudden. Yeah, but that line makes no sense because she just did do a little bit of touch up, but she says need a little touch up work my ass. But I'm like, dude, you did do touch up work. <laughs> Like, it just makes no sense. Well, Tina, she's driving down the road, and she has another vision where she sees Jason stabbing her mother. Well, she crashes the car. I love that scene, dude. They don't do that enough, the whole, like, her having visions, because it's so cool that, um, yeah, you just see Jason, like, stabbing her mother through the chest in the middle of the road. Now, what... Guide me through what happens here. She crashes the car. She gets out. And somehow she winds up back with Nick. She winds up with Nick because her and Nick are going to end up in the forest where they're going to find Michael. Okay. And so trying, And she's trying to get back to the house to save her mom. Okay. So after Tina crashes the car, she's basically okay and she runs into the woods. Then we cut back and we see Maddie putting on the makeup and she does the whole like, you know, need a little touch up work my ass. But now this is when I get really confused, Cordell, because, you know, as the last time we saw the rest of the characters, they rolled downstairs. But now we cut right, 
we cut back and now they're like all scattered. Yeah, so we cut right to Maddie. She walks outside of the house. And this is when she's kind of like, David, David. So like, I guess she's looking for David. But I'm like, why would she think he was outside? You know what I mean? So, yeah, she's walking around outside basically looking for David. Well, she loses an earring. And, uh, you know, she gets down and starts looking for it. And we get kind of like the POV shot, uh, you know, someone looking at, you know, creeping up on her. Well, she finds the earring and uh, just as she stands up, the uh, hatchet faced guy falls down from the tree. (laughs) And uh, I love did you catch the quick little shot where Jason pops out from behind the tree, Cordell? Yeah, he almost looks proud. You know what I mean? He's like, ha, I gotcha. He's like, hey, do you like my handiwork? (laughs) Well, uh, so Maddie, she runs over to this like shed, like little barn thing. And uh, I got to say, I love this sequence just like by itself, Cordell, where you get all the shots of uh, like Jason going through the barn and she's like hiding behind the wall. And uh, you get kind of this whole cool little like cat and mouse game, right, where uh, Maddie is like hiding behind the wall and crawls under it as Jason goes around the corner. And you know that you know that one shot where we see like her up against the wall and then in the background Jason is like picking up a weapon. Yes, the, the, there's love. some good cinematography in this. Not everywhere, yeah. but some. <laughs> well, uh, so she's hiding up against the wall, and uh, all of a sudden Jason just busts his arms through the wall on either side of her, and he's holding a scythe. But very sadly, a scythe or uh, a sickle. Yeah, it's a sickle, I think. Yeah, very sadly, he slashes her across the chest, but we don't get to see it. And I forget, was there a cutscene for this, Cordo? No, I don't think so. I don't think we ever see the aftermath of Maddie's death. Yeah, which is unfortunate because it's totally off screen. You don't even get, like, any blood splatter. But uh, so we cut to Dr. Cruz and Tina's mom. They're driving along the road. And this is when they find the crashed car. And, you know, they get out and the mom's all like, ah, what if she's hurt, et cetera, et cetera. Like, where's Tina? And so they set off into the woods to try and find Tina. So keep. I, I know you're asking me to explain it, Cordell, but bear in mind, stay with me. So then okay. we cut back. Okay, let's just cut this up. Let's go through, like, the kill, like, because you were right. Like, this movie is so cut. We This movie is so weirdly cut. Like, one minute we're with Tina, then we're at a kill, then we're back to Tina, then we're at a kill. Tina, kill, Tina, kill. Like, it's... Hmm. So how about we do this? Let's go through the kills. And, like, just so the audience knows that Tina is... Tina and Nick have teamed up at this point. They find Michael. And she doesn't even give Nick a chance to like mourn Michael's death. She just pulls him and says, come on, we got to go. Yeah, Nick's like totally traumatized. Yes. So then we cut back to the party. And so we see that everyone is getting down to fucking Yep, because we uh, so we see Robin and David are fucking in one bed. 
uh we pan over we see melissa and eddie are like making out we get this funny thing where like she's like your watch is digging into me or whatever yeah we yeah melissa is melissa mooched up on eddie to try to make nick jealous and that didn't work meanwhile eddie thinks that melissa's all into him yeah i feel bad for eddie he's getting played and then you got ben and kate they're out in the van fucking Mm -hmm. so let's go through this kill let's do this kill because i like this kill no so this is what happens next so yeah ben and kate are out in the van fucking when uh they hear a noise outside because someone's uh, rocking the van and i mean i gotta say cordell when the vans are rocking don't come come knocking (laughs) but uh, (laughs) i guess the sex can't i guess the sex can't be that good because it takes like all of 0.2 seconds before they're like oh I bet that's Michael. Let's surprise him. I love that. It's like, oh, now he shows up. Get a balloon. <laughs> I love it. Like, Kate's like, get a balloon. Ben's like, yeah, happy fucking birthday. <laughs> and I gotta say, Cordell, my instinct would not be to say surprise. I'd be like, fuck off. <laughs> Leave us alone. But uh, so they pull open the back of the van and blow the party horns. And they're like, uh, no one's there, of course. Well, Ben, he's like, ah, Michael must be out here somewhere. I'm going to go surprise him. So he pulls on pants and uh, hops out. And he's walking around the van blowing his party horn, being like, Michael, Michael. Well, Jason walks out of nowhere. And probably the kill I wish would have been kept the most, Cordell. He grabs oh, Ben yeah, by This the kill head. is fucking brutal. And he grabs, as a, he comes up behind Ben. Puts one hand under his chin, one hand on top of his head, and he just starts like smushing down on his face like it's a fucking water, like orange. Mm -hmm. And that one shot when it cuts to the side and you see all the blood just pouring out as Jason's like crunching his skull is like, oh. Oh, yeah. Like you even see like where like his eyes should be like a bunch of blood squirts out of that like his eyes pop like it is it is gruesome yeah i really wish we could have kept this kill so kate she uh so ben doesn't come back so kate goes up uh to the front of the van she pokes her head out the uh, window and she's going ben michael Come on, guys, quit fooling, uh, quit fooling around. Well, Jason comes up from the side and he grabs her by the hair and pulls her head up. And he's got the party horn that Ben had. And he just takes the one end of it and he just jams it right into her face, right into her eye. I love the little uh, party horn sound effect as he does it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, another kill that was kind of cut down a little bit. You don't see as much of the blood going down her face as you do in the extended. Yeah, this one I wish we had the extended because I like that you get to see a little bit of her like collapsing with the horn in her um, eye in the theatrical. You literally get like a split second of the horn in her eye. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's not terrible, though. But, yeah, the Ben kill, I mean, you just wish it could have been... Uh, could have been what the cutscenes were. So, the, so then the next death that we're gonna uh, cut to is we're gonna go to Robin and David. So Robin and David, uh, they're upstairs in the bed. And well, first, 
before we get Robin and David, though, uh, Melissa shoots down Eddie in like one of the cruelest, like most bitchiest sentences ever. Cause she's like, I lied about the whole thing. I was never into you. And, and uh, I can't wait for and, this bitch to get it. Like there's, there's no character. No, I agree. What? Eddie has a good comeback line though. Cause he's like rejection. Okay. I can handle it. I've been rejected by some of the finest science fiction magazines in the continental United States. <laughs> I like how he walks out and she goes, where are you going? He's like to take a cold shower. I got a date with a soap on a rope. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Eddie. I feel bad for him. I know. But yeah, so we cut back to uh, Robin and David having sex. and uh, This is when uh, Jason cuts the power. We see him walk up to the power box and rip that off. Yep, that's a good scene. And uh, David and Robin, David's like, ah, oh, what happened to the lights? And Robin's basically like, who cares? Well, they so, have sex. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, they have sex. Well, David, he gets hungry and he's like, he's stoned. So he gets up and he's going to go down to the fridge. And I think Robin says something like, I'm hungry. Oh, wait, no, Robin says that she's stoned. Dave says that he's hungry. So he gets up to go eat. Seeks nourishment. And he falls out of the bed. And Robin starts giggling. This is she like gets up and this is where we get some booby shots. Yeah, this is the only like legit titty shot we get in the movie. Uh, There's another one when she puts on the shirt too later. You get a couple. So. But. uh... David goes downstairs and we get this really awesome shot. So he's walking through like the dining room and it's like a big wide shot. Like the camera's like up on the ceiling, like panning the whole room. Well, we get a light, uh, like lightning outside lights up the room. And do you make out Jason hiding in the corner there? I did. I love that that attention to detail. I love that. Well, he yeah, goes over. So David goes over to the fridge and he looks down. And he's like, "What the hell?" And the floor is all covered in mud and everything. Well, he's going. He's like going through the fridge looking for something to snack. Well, Jason comes up behind David and he's got a butcher's knife in his hand. Well, David he is behind him, so he gets up and goes, "Robin." Jason grabs him by the shoulder and just plunges that knife right into his gut. Kind of a lame kill. Kind of feels more like Michael Myers instead of a Jason kill. Yeah, but I still like it, and I don't think it's cut that badly. You know, I like the shot where he falls down with a knife in his stomach, and I think Jason looks badass when he, you know, comes up behind him. So I dig it, but yeah, it's not it's not as good as the head crush kill or sleeping bag kill for sure. So a bit of time flies, and Robin... Um... She puts her shirt on. We get some more uh, booby shots. Well, she goes looking for David. Well, she winds up in this room. And she gets scared by the cat. <laughs> who, who we've never seen before. And I guess has just been, uh, you know, in the closet this whole time. <laughs> well, she sees some blood. So she puts her hand in some blood. And when she... um. 
when she looks, she finds it's David's David's severed head. Well, she screams, and then Jason comes into the room, and he and like he corners her like right up against the window, and he like just she screams no, and he like puts his hand around her throat, lifts her up, and he launches her through the fucking window. I love. I don't like this shot because it feels like the window is not that high enough from the ground for that to kill her. Well, I love the scene when Jason comes in and throws her out the window. What I don't like is when you can very clearly see the stunt double, like, bracing to, like, fall onto the uh, pad or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, it's the same as the, uh, the kill in the final chapter when he tosses that chick out the window. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I like the different kill that they had for Robin here. So in the cut kills, Robin is still in bed. She puts the shirt on. And she hears a noise at the door. Well, she thinks it's David. So she grabs her flashlight and she shines it right into David's severed head. Well, she well she gets a shocked look on her face. And she pans the flashlight up. Jason's mask well he comes up and corners her to a wall and he just like I'm assuming he like guts her with the machete yeah see my issue with this kill though is even though he comes up and slashes the machete across her you still don't see anything it's still cut so I kind of like the variety of tossing her out the window I just like the idea I just like the uh I just like the scene of like Panning the flashlight from David's head up to Jason, and then Jason throws the severed head at her in bed. Like, here, bitch, have some head. <laughs> and I do like, um, I like the scene after where Eddie is downstairs, and honestly, Eddie's not that great of a guy because he's opening up Michael's birthday presents. <laughs> we get a scene where, like, Eddie is like, uh, happy birthday, something, something. Melissa. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, he actually says cunt. Oh. I had to rewind it. And in the and background, you, she's like walking out of the house. out the door. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking cracked me up so hard. Well, he's like opening up presents and <laughs> he opens up one that says uh, penis enlarger. He opens <laughs> it up and it's a God, fucking magnifying so- glass. I fucking love that, dude. I did think that was funny. Well, Jason comes up and he look he uh he thinks it's Melissa. He's like, oh, back to apologize, huh? Well, he looks up and this it cuts away as Jason like brings the machete down, so we're supposed to get that he decapitated him. The extended kill was really not that great looking. Yeah, I mean, the extended kill added a little bit to it. Not uh-huh. really, because you just see it like it it looks like he cut. It looks like the machete's just buried in his neck and the actor doesn't know how to act like he's dying. Yeah, well, the um, that's what I'm saying is you get a better shot of the machete in his neck. And I actually was trying to find the scene on uh, YouTube just now. But yeah, I mean, I still don't think it looks great. I wish they would have just shown Jason like chopping his head off. Because his head is going to pop up later. Well, actually, Cordell, is it his head or David's head? It's his head. 
It's his head. Um, Yeah, I wish they would have just shown Jason cutting his head off then. But yeah, I I will agree that I think this whole slate of kills, uh, David, Robin, and Eddie, are not very satisfying. I mean, they're okay. They're kind of just like... So we cut to... We cut to Nick and Tina, and they go up, they're back at the house, and they go into Dr. Crew's room, while Tina uh, finds the tent spike and then finds, like, some papers that Crew's had on Jason. Well, she starts to have a telekinetic episode, and I love fucking Nick. He's like, oh, my God, that's you. Yeah, she, like, makes the whole room shake, and Nick's like, holy shit, this is real. <laughs> well, we and, cut uh, to we cut to Miss Shepard and Dr. Cruz in the woods, and Jason pops up out there. Well, this is where you know that Dr. Cruz is really a scumbag. So, Jason has, like, this, I don't know what the hell it's called. Yeah, I called it, like, a branch trimmer. I don't know if that's accurate. It's basically a blade on a stick. Well, Dr. Cruz grabs Mrs. Shepard's and she and he holds her in front of him. And Jason thrusts it forward and impales Mrs. Shepard through the chest. And once again, I wish you would have gotten the uncut shot where it shows. um, So we get the cool. I do like that. It shows Dr. Cruz getting splattered with her blood. But we, I really would have liked to have seen the shot where it's actually, like, in her. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. so another yeah. one where the sensors fucked it over. So Dr. Cruz runs for it. Well, Jason, he's got he's got a special eye for Dr. Cruz. Even he thinks uh, Cruz is a scumbag for using someone else as a human shield. So well, Jason. So. Yeah, Cruz is yeah. running through the woods. Well, he trips over like a branch and he falls on his back. Jason well, before comes up. That, though, before that, though, Cordell, Cruz does meet Tina out in the woods. And uh, Tina's like, you're covered in blood. And he still is like, oh, your mom's back at the house. And I'm like, dude, you are such a fucking scumbag. Oh. Just tell her her mom is dead. Well, Tina like calls him out on his bullshit. And she's like, no, well, what's all this blood? And he's finally like, your mom's gone. Well, Tina just like runs back to the house. And that's when we get where he's like, don't go in there, which they use in the trailer. But yeah, that's when uh, Cruz hears like an engine roar up. And now this shot is iconic. Cordell. Oh, yeah. So Jason comes up and he's got a weed trimmer, which is essentially it looks like a weed whacker, but with a buzzsaw at the end of it. Well, Cruz yeah. take, tries to run Well, he trips over branch or something he winds up on his back and jason comes up and we get that badass shot of him just standing there holding it mm-hmm. well he takes it and he just digs it right into cruz's gut again cutting the theatrical version you don't really get much you just see cruz with like a look of horror on his face throws his head back and dies but you actually get to see like the blade like cutting through the flesh and the uncut kills. That was pretty good. Now, I will say that in the uncut kills, I wish they would have shown more. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, like maybe some I, guts. Yeah, we never really get to see like his guts spilling out, which is what I would have liked to have seen. 
So we cut back to um, Tina and Nick. Nick is like, if this Jason guy is really out there, we need to get everybody like together so we can get out of here. So Nick runs off to go get everybody, and he tells Tina to stay put. Well, of course, Tina doesn't know how to fucking listen. Mm-hmm. So Tina goes like, I'm just spitballing here. So Tina's just kind of walking around doing fuck all. So she, run, she walks into the woods and she finds her mom. Yep. Again, like I mean, like this movie is so oddly cut. Like this stuff is not memorable to me. So here I got it because I, I, I have it. So basically Tina finds her dead mom. Then she runs through the woods and all these dead people just start popping out of the trees <laughs> like fucking ornaments. You know, <laughs> you got dead uh, Kate. You got dead Maddie. Uh, the dude with the hatchet face. You got Mike is still Check out the there. The trees with bodies of teens. Na, 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 na. Well, yeah, so Nick, he goes into the other house, and he finds Eddie dead, and that's when Nick runs back over to Tina's house, and he uh, turns around and almost shoots Melissa, who's over there, and she's basically like, what's going on? And he's like, well, Eddie's dead. So this is when, finally, this is when the movie, like, kicks into high gear, because this is when Tina runs back towards the houses on the road, and she just stops Cordell. Because who's standing there in the road? And I love the shot when he's just kind of, like, breathing heavy, like, hunched over. So we get, this uh, is the first of a couple scenes, so... So in this one, Tina uses her telekinesis to get the um, branches of the trees to wrap around Jason's legs. And I love Jason in the scene. Like, he's, like, looking down, watching this. Like, what the fuck? And then he, like, looks up, like, it's you! <laughs> well, yeah, she, Jay- trips, <laughs> she trips him into the, um... She trips him into, like, this puddle of water that's right there. And I love the sound he makes when he goes down. He goes, like, a... And, like, he's, like, a little waterlogged still. Well, Tina looks up and she sees a power cable. Well, she uh, causes the cable to explode and takes the line and she puts the line into the water and zaps Jason. Well, Tina's too naive at this point because she doesn't know Jason don't go down that easy. I love how they do the whole like they they show Jason kind of worthing writhing with the electricity coursing over him and they do like some cuts there. That's a cool shot. Well, of course, Jason, yeah, he, he gets. I'm just yeah, like, she pops up yeah. and, uh, Jason, yeah, just, of course, is having I'm, none of it. So he pops up. Right. He just gets back up. Well, he well, she runs into the um, house that the teens were staying in. And she's like, we get like a moment of quiet. She's just walking around. The power's out. It's all dark. Well, Jason comes fucking busting through the big window there like fucking Rambo style. And I, this scene always made me laugh. She just like how Tina just stands there and just screams. <laughs> like she just stands there and gets like this scrunched look on her face and screams like, what is that going to do? See, I like afterwards and like she's kind of like edging around the table, keeping it. And between Jason's her. like walking and like trying to stay her down. 
Well, but I think this whole scene when she kind of like, like she runs into the other room, slams the door shut and moves the table. And Jason's like, just basically like, you think that's going to stop me, bitch? <laughs> he like throws the table, throws the doors open. Well, she starts picking up like all the furniture in the house and starts chucking it at Jason. She chucks a couch at him. But well, the laugh out loud moment. Yeah, she, she she backs up more and she trips over a potted plant. Well, a hand hits something. She looks and it's uh, Eddie's severed head. Well, she screams and Jason at this point is struggling to get the couch off of him. Well, he gets back up. <laughs> Tina <laughs> takes this potted plant with the severed head and just fucking launches it. Just fucking launches it into Jason. I'm trying to remember if there's like a little sound effect, but it's hilarious because she whacks him right on the mask with it and he just goes right back down. <laughs> that, well, uh, is he- that is a severed headbutt. <laughs> that is a headbutt. I love it. So well, she, uh, she, <laughs> yeah, she takes off running back over to uh, to her house. Well, Jason comes out of the thing. Well, she turns around and she's like, OK, how about this one? Well, Jason's standing on the porch, and she starts causing the support structures to collapse. Well, finally, she causes the whole fucking, like, roof of the, like, porch to collapse on Jason. <laughs> I yeah, love that. I love I love Kane Hodder in this. Like, how is Jason, like, when she's causing the support structures to fall, he's, like, flinching away and, like, looking and watching it, going, like, what the? fuck is going on like i just love how kane like does this he gives jason a bit of personality yeah i love how over the course of these last like 15 minutes of the movie you just see jason getting angrier and angrier <laughs> he is so and, pissed uh, he is yeah so i'll, I'll talk about pissed. it as we go but yeah so uh, jason goes down hard when she collapses the roof on him like i don't know how they did that with like a stunt guy or whatever Oh, dude, that, if Jason wasn't a rotting corpse, that would have left a mark. Oh, yeah. So she she runs back, Tina runs back to her house, and she's in there, and Melissa's in there, Nick's in there, and... Melissa just cannot not be a bitch. Yeah, like... You just found out that most of your friends are dead and you're still fucking throwing shade at this bitch. Yeah, she's like, you you guys are fucking crazy or whatever. <laughs> and I love it that she goes to leave. She's like, fuck you. No. Mm. Fuck you both. Well, so. Happens- outside, yeah, we, we've seen Jason. He uh he busts out from under the uh porch roof and he walks up and he grabs an axe on his way up. And yeah, so I love how when she says fuck you, you can see the shadow right outside the door. Because, <laughs> yeah, uh, she opens the door and what happens, Cordell? And I love this look. I love the look on her face. So this is another iconic shot of Jason standing on the porch. Well, mm-hmm. she opens the door. and Jason's right there. Well, Melissa slowly backs up and she starts gets this look of, oh, fuck. Well, Jason raises that axe and she he brings it down hard. 
on Melissa's face. I really wish we could have at least seen impact like they do in the extended kill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, wish, um, so this one. I no, wish, no. I honestly wish, like, when he brought it down, I wish it would have split her head in half. Yeah, the the extended cut is better because we do see the impact. But what I will say, what always gets me about this scene, Cordell, that I love. The is not terrible the stunt double head. with the really bad wig covering up the axe in the face. Well, no, I think it's badass how Jason just grabs her and fucking tosses her. I know. I don't I don't know if it's a stunt double or if it's a dummy. I'm just saying the dummy looks kind of bad. Like, oh, see, I always thought that's just cool. How like Jason just like. Like, you know, he, he doesn't even like break a sweat. He's just like, yep, axe at you. And he just throws her. Now, well, I'm going to say this. I do like it that Melissa's now dead. And I'm really and I'm going to like it even more in a few minutes because there ain't going to be no burial for Melissa. <laughs> Hell no, because uh, so we'll get to it. Um, Nick and Tina try to go around Jason, but he kind of blocks the door. So they run upstairs. Oh, I and- love that scene. I love how like when Nick tries to tell Tina to go, Jason like moves really quick and slams the door shut. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah, he's like, don't. Kane Hodder's personality comes out, like what you were saying. So they uh, run upstairs. And, and I, I love Jason walking up the stairs. It looks so cool. Yep. So Jason comes up the stairs. Well, Tina, she stands there and there's like this oval shaped uh, lamp, like ceiling lamp. Well, Jason gets to the top of the stairs. And she uses her telekinesis to uh, take the lamp and swings it right into Jason's face. Like, full on hard. And uh, Jason goes fucking, he falls right through the stairs. And I was confused by the scene because I thought he fell into the basement. But no, I guess there's like a closet under the stairs he fell into. No, I love this scene. So she hits him with the, she hits him with the light bulb and as he goes down, you clearly hear Kane Hart or Jason make like a sound. He makes like a, oh, as he goes right through the fucking floor. I've always loved that. I just love how he just flies backwards and like make like groans and then goes right through the stairs. Now, it's cool as hell. So they sneak down oh. past the hole. Well, they're trying to get out the door. Well, Jason comes busting through the uh, bottom of the stairs. He grabs Nick, and he throws Nick across the room. Well, he goes over to Nick, and he goes to crush his back with his foot. And um, he goes to crush Nick's back with his foot. And this is when we're, this is probably like the best scene of the movie. Oh, my God, dude. I love this scene. So Tina, she focuses all her telekinetic rage on Jason. She starts to take, uh, she t- takes Jason's hockey mask, and she starts to squeeze it against his head. Dude, the shot when we get all the pus and stuff, like all the pus, oh, all like oh. all like the water, like the pussy water, and like all that, that coming out gross. of Jason's head. And and I love how like Jason's slowly realizing what's going on because like. 
he perks up and then like he takes his hands and puts them up to his head like what the fuck mm-hmm. well he turns well he turns around real quick and this and then she splits the mask in half and this is where we get our full look at Jason's uh face I love it dude I think he looks cool as hell now I'm going to ask you something when I was looking at this when you when you see Jason without the mask and like late in a few minutes he's going to get set on fire like when she sends him through the roof or sends him through the floor and he's just lying there you know what the the design kind of reminded me of a little bit what like with the tattered clothing and everything big ben from house yeah, I can see it. I haven't seen House in a very long time. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. There's just something about like the decomposition of Big Ben and the decomp of Jason. It's like it, it almost feels like maybe there was like an unintentional um an unintentional like inspiration there from House. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he looks cool. I, I always love the whole fact that where he got the machete in part four, that part is just bare skull. I think he's got that's the, so funny. He's got the bullet hole in his forehead from part six. Mm-hmm. Um, half his, fa- half his chin. Yeah. Yep, his chin where the boat propeller in part six fucked him up. And I, what I like about that, so she gets the mask off of him. And so she looks up at another... Uh, lamp and Jason looks up too and like you get a side shot of his face and you see like like the teeth going all the way around the back like the exposed teeth and the rotted away flesh well she I have no complaints with Jason's look under the mask I think it looks amazing in this movie well she pops the uh, light bulb and she uses the cord and she brings it down and wraps it around Jason's neck telekinetically, and she hangs him. And I love it, like when when Jason gets lifted off the ground, how his eyes goes wide. Like you, like you see Jason, just his eyes, his eye goes wide, and his mouth opens. He's like, ah, like he's actually getting choked. I love that. Mm-hmm. It kind it kind of shows a little bit of vulnerability on Jason's part. Oh, yeah, because there's, you know, Jason is all physicality, you know, there's nothing he can do. And uh, the only thing cool. that he's ever been able to do with like supernaturally is teleport. <laughs> Not till the next That's about movie. it. Maybe. But this yeah, is so where she also. Maybe this is where he learned like, man, I need a tele. I need a fucking uh, psychic gimmick. <laughs> but this well, is also co- where. Uh, yeah, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Uh, you got this, Cordell. You're fucking rocking it. Well, she uh she rips open a hole in the basement floor, and yeah, Jason's <laughs> hanging there. It causes the floor to explode. <laughs> I think she fucked up. I would have just left him hanging there, but she uh she drops his ass down into the basement. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I don't know if she expected that fall to kill him or what, but that was like pretty bad. Like you just electrocuted this guy, dropped a fucking roof on him, squeezed his head, threw a fucking full ass like couch at him, and he's still going. You think a fall's gonna do anything? 
Well, uh, yep, go ahead. Well, Tina goes over the check on Nick. Well, Jason's pissed. He's not having any of this shit. So he pops out of the floor and drags her down into the basement. And I <laughs> love this scene, Cordell, because this is when Jason really, like, the facial expressions, like, he's mad. <laughs> oh, yeah, he is pissed off. He takes that uh, piece of um wire from the lamp, he just rips it off and throws it to the ground. And uh, I love I love how I totally forgot she did this to him. She takes like a box of nails and sends like 20 nails into him telekinetically. <laughs> I love when he like rips the one out of his forehead and he's like, you think that's going to work, bitch? <laughs> well, she. um, She sees a canister of gas where she like unscrews the gas and she starts spraying it like. I don't know how much gas was in that can, but she's hosing them down like it's a full tank at a gas station. Yeah, that that was kind of yeah. I guess she did she did spray him for like forever. And like Jason, I mean it's she, a small can, it can't be that much spray, right? But Jason's like being driven back from it. <laughs> oh yeah, like she is spraying. She's hosing him down. She like she gets a little splattered on herself, and she takes her ruined jacket off. He's getting it all over the paper, all over the floor. Mm-hmm. Well, Jason walks up and she uses her powers to open up the furnace that's behind Jason. She starts like shooting out fireballs with it. And I love this scene where she like looks at Jason and Jason like looks over at her and gives her like the like he kind of like shakes his head a little bit like, bitch, don't you fucking do it. she causes the fire to come out and it just engulfs jason it engulfs say dude on blu-ray that looks so good i was like dude she engulfs the floor she engulfs paper jason is like it it, this scene is kind of like slowed down a little bit like slow-mo but like jason's on fire and he's just kind of like got his hands in the air and he's moving back and forth you know i don't i don't know how easy it was for kane harder to work and all that latex but he's trying to like jason's like trying to put himself out well nick wakes up from all the fire and he comes down but he's like he tells tina's like come on we gotta get out of here yeah this is going (laughs) yeah now, this is, like, confusing as fuck to me, but they run out of the house. And they don't run to the next house. They don't run into the woods. They don't run as far away as they can. They run right to the fucking dock. So they run to the dock, and and, and Nick goes, get down. Well, no, it, it makes sense that they run to the dock. What doesn't make sense to me is that if Nick knows the house is going to blow up, why wouldn't you jump in the water? Like, Oh, my God. So, yes. So he tells uh tina to get down well they hit the deck literally and the house is now almost fully engulfed and then it just fucking explodes like rambo just shot a rocket launcher at it like the house i don't know like why the fuck did that house explode dude was it a gas line you cannot tell me that little furnace caused that house to blow up like that. No, I, I agree. I think because I that lo- that explosion, that house exploded like it just got hit with a tactical nuke. 
You needed like a deleted scene of Nick, like, you know, opening up the gas stove or something. You know what I mean? But yeah, it made uh, it made no sense <laughs> as to why the house blew up. And I will say that house explosion looked really good. No, yeah, it looks good. It's an amazing how how explosion. But the but it's like, holy shit! You you the that furnace caused that house to blow up like that. Those fucking kids were sleeping in a powder keg. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, dude. I was thinking that too when Jason fell through the stair floor, the stairs. I was like, well, those stairs must not have been very sturdy to begin with. But. I'm happy because now I know that Melissa's not going to get a burial. Oh, and Jay, I mean, how did Jason survive this? They blew up the goddamn house on him. Although, interestingly, if he was still in the basement, I can believe that, like, the heat was above or whatever. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but you know Melissa's body is gone. Like, the, like, the rescue crews are going to find nothing but chaw. Um, well, there yeah. they are. So they get so Tina and Nick they're sitting on the dock and Tina kind of has a moment where she's uh, crying and says everything's gone. Well Nick says okay come on let's get out of here. Well Jason comes up and grabs Tina and he throws her like across the dock. Well Nick get jumps up and he's got a handgun that Tina gave him earlier from Cruz's office. Mhm. He's tried shooting Jason. He gets some good shots in. He gets some good shots in, but like we know that's not gonna work. We just saw like Jason come out of a fucking house explosion. Yeah, sadly for Nick, we know that Jason is undead. (laughs) And uh, but what's kind of lame to me is Jason doesn't kill Nick. Jason just basically like kill him. Doesn't like rip his heart out or nothing. He just like pushes him into a boat, knocks him out. Yeah, he just like punches Nick and Nick falls into the boat. But I guess Jason's Jason has one thing on his mind. You know, he's pissed at this bitch who's been, uh, you know, telekinetically fucking with him for the past like hour. Oh, he turns around and he looks at Tina. He looks at Tina and he is fucking fuming. You can like you can just see that in his eyes. Like in his what well, not his eyes, but his eye, the way he's looking at her. And what I liked earlier, like. That scene in the house when uh, Jason popped through the window and was like slowly walking around to Tina. They had the light shining in a way to where you could see Jason's one eye through the mask. And the way he was Mm. just kind of looking at Tina at the time, he's like, I'm going to get you. Don't know what (laughs) you're trying to do. I'm going to get you. Like, I, it, 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 it almost like in that scene to me, it was kind of like Jason was trying to size her up, trying to like determine like how big of a threat she was to him. But at this point, I think Jason's got the hint. He's got to take this bitch out now. He's done. He's mad. Well, Tina looks out at the water again and she starts crying. She start and she's using her te- telekinetic powers and the water starts bubbling. This time a little bit closer to the dock. To which I'm thinking to myself, well, if you know your dad was like right there underwater, why the fuck were you like looking out at the lake earlier? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. This ending is extremely confusing to me. 
I I can only presume that yeah, the dad's body was never recovered, and so Tina is able to successfully reanimate her dad to pop out to save her because he gets the chain again on Jason. Yeah, so um so Tina manages to resurrect her dad and his her dad comes popping through the um floor through the uh deck of the pier and he like pushes on Jake Jason's uh the back of Jason's legs, gets Jason down on his knees, takes a chain, wraps it around Jason and pulls him back through the hole into the water. And I, and uh, this cut, Tina is kind of like wondering if like she saw that, like if she really saw that, and she's like, "Daddy," and then she passes out. Now in the cut version, I gotta tell you, I thought the cut version was kind of hilarious because her dad pops out, and in this cut, like her dad doesn't really look decomposed or anything. He looks like he has coffee all over him. Like you know what I mean? He has like he's like a little dirty. Like he, he just looks stuff. like he went rolling through the mud. <laughs> yeah, honestly. He comes popping. Well, in the cut, in the uncut version, he comes out and he looks a little bit more decomposed. Honestly, it looked more like he was wrapped up like a mummy. I couldn't really tell what was going on. Like whatever they dressed him in, he looked more like a mummy. We well, yeah, got well <laughs> in the. In the uncut version, he pops through, pushes Jason down, uh, puts the chain around Jason's neck, pulls him down. And right before Tina passes out, she looks through and her dad pops up through the hole like 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 he never even died, like he's perfectly fine. <laughs> and he just kind of looks at her and smiles and it's kind of like, a, oh, daddy. Yeah, so, I did not. Honestly, I prefer the fact that the dad just popped up and like took Jason down. I I really did not want him to come back and like smile. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What do you think, Cordell? Oh, you. <laughs> it's it's kind of what that mo- moment. He like pops up. He smiles at him. He's like, oh, you. It's like the end of Scream. Like, oh, dad. <laughs> so the next morning. Ambulance and police are there. I like that somebody finds Jason uh finds Jason's mask in the wreckage and like tries to like fit it back together. <laughs> yeah, I did like that. I think I, I'm pretty sure one of these guys is Bugler. In, or just looking at him in that like deleted scenes, I was like, one of those guys had that beard. You know what my favorite scene is? The two scenes of the firefighters trying to fight the fire. And the guy holding the hose is like shooting everything, but the fire that's right in front of him, and the guy has his partner has to point it out. Yeah, did I you notice think that, was... that? Yeah, they just were like sort of milling around. <laughs> well, they load Tina and Nick up into an ambulance, and Nick is like, "Jason, where's Jason?" And he's like, "It's okay, we got him." Well, the ambulance then drives off and roll credits. Now, the extended ending, did you see this one in the uh, cuts? I did, and I wish they'd go with it because I think as the film ends now, it's pretty 
I don't like the ending of the theatrical. I much wish they would have kept the uh, uncut version. So, so in the uncut version, uh, we get a little, a couple extra scenes of Nick and Tina where they're like, kind of like just holding hands together and saying, Jason's gone, we got him. Well, then it cuts to a boat out on Crystal Lake. And I, <laughs> I'm laughing at them laughing, thinking about this. Like you, you got somebody out on the lake in a boat who can probably just look across the lake and see all the police calls and shit. <laughs> well, so on the boat, there's a guy and he's fishing. And this scene takes forever. Like he's reeling in this fish and he's reeling it in and he's getting all fucking excited. Like he's really happy that he caught this fish. <laughs> Well, this, this didn't go the way I thought when he reached down to get the fish. I thought Jason was going to pull him under. Yeah, that's where you I know. thought it was going, because I never saw so, this before. So he reaches down and he gets like this really, it was a pretty nice catch of a fish. I won't lie. Well, yeah, he goes, right. to, he gets the fish in there and he's getting ready to put it away. Well, then Jason comes up behind him on the other side and pulls the fisherman overboard. Kind of like a kind of like a rehash of like the original twist ending to the original Friday the 13th. Yeah, that's what I thought they were going for was basically redoing the whole Jason grabbing Alice from the end of the first one. And I mean, I think see, I feel like you should end a Friday movie on that sort of like, you know, with Jason. Yeah, with a jump scale. Yeah. Like, no, you know, I, even part 6, like part 6 didn't end on a jump scale, but it ended with it it ended with uh you know the um it, it it ended with like the camera on Jason's eye, right? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, part six, you knew he was still down in the lake and would come back. You know, this movie just sort of weirdly like ends with them in the ambulance. But uh, yeah, so that ends uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven, The New Blood. So. Uh, Tell me, uh, Luke, big O, high, medium, low, or are you chopping your cack off? <laughs> so Friday 7, The New Blood. Um, Yeah, it had been a while since I saw this one. And I think, I feel like there for a while a lot of people really liked this movie. And now in recent years, there's kind of been a turn where people are like, yeah, this movie's not as good. Um, I think this movie has a lot of highs and a lot of lows. So I think that the about half the kills still are pretty good, even in their cut forms. I think Kane Hodder here as Jason is the best he will ever be as Jason uh, because he's sort of I don't think he looks as good in part eight. He's not really in part nine. And I like Jason X, but I don't think he's as good in Jason X. I love the look of Jason here. I love all the kills. Um, I love them more when they're uncut. And honestly, I will say the last 15 minutes when it is, you know, Carrie versus Jason are a whole lot of fun. Even if that ending is kind of like mind scratchingly, like what the hell is going on here? Um, uh, It's not as good as part six, but I will say that I'm more likely to throw this on over, you know, part eight for sure. Part eight and probably Probably part nine, Jason X and the remake. So, uh, yeah, I can say 
I'll say a medium, Cordell. I'll say a medium. Medium recommend for Friday 7. It's definitely worth a watch. If you like the rest of the Fridays, you owe it to yourself to watch this one. And you know what? I think I'm in the same boat as you. Um, I, I mean, part six is my favorite of this entire franchise. And, you know, this movie, it's not a bad movie. But, like, none of the like none of the characters are that memorable. The leads are lacking. The only really good thing about this movie is Kane Hodder as Jason. Um, Like, you can't really even enjoy the kills that much because they're so censored down. You know, that's why I hate the MPAA so much, because they fuck over good what could be good movies. Um, music's not that memorable. But, I mean, this is the movie that introduced Kane Hodder as Jason. So for that, you know, I, I can't just I can't just ignore this movie. Do I like this movie a lot more than part eight? I mean, part eight is like a guilty pleasure for me. You know. That's I like part eight because I like the look of Jason in that. And I kind of like some of the music in that. You know, and I just like the idea of Jason in New York, even well, what it was supposed to be, not what we ended up getting. This movie, I just like the look of Jason. I like that Jason has a little bit of personality going on in it. Um, So, yeah, I'm just going to give this a medium recommend. It's not like the best of the Friday films, but. It 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 kept the franchise going for at least one more installment. So, and I mean the NECA figure that NECA put out for this movie was fucking incredible. Oh, I love it, dude. I I I own two NECA Jasons right now, Part Six and this one, waiting for them to do Part Eight. But the NECA Part Seven Jason is fucking phenomenal. It comes with everything. It comes with that little knife thing he kills the mom with. It comes with the weapon he kills Cruz with. It comes with the butcher knife, the machete, and axe. It comes with a second mask that's split in half so you can recreate that scene. It's just a fucking awesome figure. I mean, there's a lot of great imagery in this film. That scene where um, David is walking around the kitchen you get that lightning shot of Jason just kind of chilling in the corner like that is a fucking awesome shot or Jason yeah. like slowly walking up the stairs like that like it's not a bad movie and I really think that if the kills had not been so censored with this this would be a much stronger film yeah I think some of the editing is wonky like the placement of kills and such like Maddie's kill doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me um yeah, Maddie doesn't even get a decent kill. Like, all we see is a sickle coming at her face, and that's it. We don't like. We don't really get to see much of the aftermath, and that's what really kills this. Is like every time there's a kill in this movie, the camera always cuts away. You may be lucky to see any blood or gore. I mean, this movie is probably. I, I mean, you can disagree with me. I mean, we both, you and I both said that the um, My Bloody Valentine special edition is like superior because it puts all that blood and gore back in. But if you had to compare like the theatrical My Bloody Valentine, the theatrical New Blood, this movie probably is more censored than My Bloody Valentine was. 
Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, My Bloody Valentine is pretty censored, I gotta say. Yeah, I mean, shit, Paul, I could be wrong. They could be neck and neck with each other. That'd be but, an interesting, uh, it'd be an interesting one to explore. But, yeah, you know, I'm gonna give this movie just a medium recommend. Now, I mean, I don't want people to think I'm hating on this movie. I'm not. It's a good, it's a decent Friday film. You know, coming off of, I mean, the concept of Carrie versus Jason. Okay, I can. I can I can go with Carrie versus Jason, especially if you had like when we would get Freddy versus Jason. But um, do you want some trivia for this movie? Yeah, we went out of order this time. We did the recommends before the trivia. But yeah, I, I agree with you just in general. I think the concept's good. I mean, at the end of the day, this is the last Friday movie that has, you know, just Jason in the woods stalking teens. And uh yeah, I think for that reason alone, it always have kind of a special place in my heart. And yeah, there's a lot of good here, even if unfortunately a lot of it was cut to shit. <laughs> All right, so we got some good trivia. So obviously our first piece of trivia, probably my favorite, Kane Harder has told this story a million times. Um, Jason was, uh, his dressing room was like half a mile down a road from filming. Well, one night, filming ended and he was still in costume so he walked through the woods to his dressing room and some random person from the town came up and asked if he was with the movie he didn't say anything because he thought it was a stupid fucking question so the guy asked again and uh Kane Hodder like lunged at him and grunted (laughs) so the guy took off running through the woods tripping and running the next day, Buchler told Kane that the local sheriff was going to stop by, but the sheriff never showed up. <laughs> That's hilarious. You've never heard that story before? No, I heard that story. I didn't hear about the part about the sheriff, though. That's funny. Oh, that's awesome. Um, In Kane Hodder's book, Unmasked, the true story of the world's most prolific cinematic killer, Kane Hodder notes that one of his fondest memories of shooting Part 7 was the uh, costume department making a custom Jason's mom jacket, a crew member jacket for his mother. Well, that was sweet. The crew members made a custom crew member's jacket for Kane Hodder's mom that said Jason's mom on it. Oh, that is sweet. He says that she would wear it during the, she would wear it during the whole final two decades leading up to her passing he noted that it would be over 90 degrees in his hometown of nevada in nevada but she would still probably wear it to the grocery store hoping someone would say something in case she they inquired her purse was loaded with signed autographs that he would send to her so that leftovers from his convention appearances he noted that at times it got playfully embarrassing but it made it but it made her beam with pride he keeps the he keeps the jacket and holds on to it as a positive memory. That makes me want to cry, dude. I didn't know this. Yeah, that beautiful. I wish I would have known this because I'd have asked Kane about that when I saw him at in Detroit. Yeah, everything I've read seems to say Kane Hodder is a really stand up kind of guy, and I mean, that, yeah, that is really sweet. Um, so yeah, that's awesome. Did you um? Did you uh? know that this was the movie that was supposed to bring Jason and Freddy together? 
No, I did not, really. Uh, this film was originally intended to bring Jason and Freddy Krueger on screen together. However, Paramount and New Line Cinema couldn't agree behind the scenes. The script was rewritten to pit Jason up against Tina Shepard. Um, Kane Harder's costume and hockey mask from this film are owned by the Friday the 13th Props Museum. Uh, Law Park Lincoln notes that back during filming, she and co-star Kevin Spiritus didn't get along on set. A mid-2000s convention brought them together under much calmer circumstances. They soon began having dinner and became very close friends. Um... <laughs> this is funny. During the during filming, producers hired Leslie Busby, the local gator man, to be the alligator wrangler and keep gators away from the actors. But since <laughs> gators are not active in the winter when they were shooting no, no, uh, from October to November, they ended up paying him to do nothing but watch the lake. Sounds like a sweet gig. I did not know that, though. John Carl Buechler was so impressed with Kane Harder when he ate live worms in, on the set of Prison that he pushed for Paramount Pictures to let him cast Harder in the role. If it had not been for Buechler's persistence, the role of Jason would have been reprised by C.J. Graham from Part 6. That would have been... I wonder how C.J. Graham would have failed if he got to play Jason again. Ah, uh, that's interesting because I'm trying to remember. I feel like in part six, he does give Jason a bit of personality. So it would, I would be interested to see how he would handle the like rage that Jason has to have for like the last half of this movie. Well, but this, it is, uh, I do like CJ Graham's Jason. So that would have been cool. This was the last Friday film to use footage from previous films. In addition to showing footage from part two and part four. The opening montage also used footage from the official theatrical trailer for Jason Lives. I, okay, I already mentioned that. Um, Marta Kober, who played Sandra in Friday the 13th Part 2, was offered a role in this film and ended up getting the job. But when she eventually told the directors about being in Part 2, she was replaced. That's kind of dumb. I mean, I don't think at this point anybody remembered part two, so it's not like people would have remembered Marta Cobra, Sandra in part two. You think? She, she could have played Sandra in this movie. <laughs> um, let's see. This film was a, subtitled The New Blood with the intention of Tina becoming a protagonist in further sequels. Moving away from the from the previous protagonist Tommy Jarvis. Um, yeah, this they, one. They... This one is about Su- Susan Sullivan. Um, about the wrong woman being labeled as dead. <laughs> I feel so bad for that. I would be so mad if I was like a Friday actor and I was like, oh, a documentary, and they're like, oh yeah. She's dead. <laughs> um, got a lot of trivia here, so I'm just kind of going through like the interesting ones. 1988 was the first year in which all three of the then top horror series released films in the same year. Part 
Friday the 13th had The New Blood, Elm Street had Dream Master, and Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Additionally, the first Child's Play was released, Hell, as were Hellbound, Hellraiser 2, and Phantasm 2. Um, producers liked Law Park Lincoln, as she resembled Sissy Spacek, who played Carrie in the film Carrie, of which Tina was uh, patterned after. Um, let's see, I'm just kind of looking. Law Park Lincoln did some of her own stunt, some of her own stunts and also gave herself migraines by doing her own crying. Well, I, I hate to say it because it sounds like she really committed to the part, but it was not worth it. <laughs> Um, let's see, already did that one. Mm. John Carl Buechler had Law Park Lincoln change her hairstyle a number of times during auditions until Frank Mancuso Jr. said, that's the one. <laughs> Oof. Well, sorry, Mancuso Jr., but. You may have been incorrect there. Um, oh, here's one. So much of the film's score is recycled music from Manfredini's previous Friday the 13th films. That's probably why it, uh, that's probably why you kind of, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I wonder how much the new guy contributed to it then. I'll have to look that up. Friday the 13th, The New Blood features Pepsi product placement within the movie. This is the only movie in the series to do so. In previous installments, it was Coca-Cola. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Yeah, I didn't notice any product placement. I guess they're talking about the scene when um, Tina drops the soda she's holding. But, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> didn't stick out to me. Um, Because of the movie being heavily censored by the MPAA, fans have nicknamed this movie Friday the 13th, The No Blood. <laughs> the original cut deaths and many deleted scenes only exist in the form of, of rough work print footage. The original master daily of materials was supposedly destroyed, so an unrated director's cut would be impossible. Ugh, sadly. No, well, I don't know. Maybe maybe somewhere out there somebody didn't destroy it and then forgot they had it. I don't know. Fingers um, crossed. I mean, that's, sort of, that's sort of what happened with uh, part two. John Carl Buechler always referred to this movie as Carrie versus the Terminator. Jason yeah, uses... That's... Oh, here you go. Here's the name of it. Jason uses the infamous radial saw tool in this in this film to kill Dr. Cruz. Even though multiple interviews state that it had not been used as a weapon before this movie, it can be seen three years prior in the horror movie Hard Rock Zombies. Huh. Interesting. 
Um, I okay. I don't know why this is ever. I don't, okay. Apparently, we're like running low on trivia because. Oh, right here. A few of the actors were secretly gay at the time of during production, include, including Craig Thomas and Kevin Spiritus. Over the years, the movie was nicknamed by fans Friday the 13th, while nicknaming the other movies as Fry Straight the 13th. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I think I think the guy who plays Nick, at least, is gay, right? I assume. And then some of the vehicles used in the film was a 1976 Volvo. 1971 Dodge truck, 77 Chevrolet Impala, and the 1986 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme. Oh, pretty classy cars. I oh, did not notice. <laughs> you were right. Uh, it was John Carl Buechler, um that picks up Jason's broken mask at the end. I thought so. And that is everything uh, that is every, that is all the trivia for this movie now uh, i am curious Cordell, because i wanted to watch it i still kind of do how is roseblood if you can take a minute well before i do that you want to hear this review that's on imdb for this movie <laughs> this is <laughs> sure oh, this is rough dude Featured review. Not very good. The seventh entry in the series is a letdown, especially after the lively installment of Jason Lives. This time around, we have a telekinetic girl who proves to be Jason's match, but they don't meet until after Jason has already hacked a few teenagers. This proves to be quite the stupid affair. The kills are downright boring, although not, though not the fault of its own. The MPAA was especially dickish to this movie. It's got no suspense. The humor misses big time, and Carrie, the Carrie-inspired twist, is handled is awful, is handled awfully. Coupled with the extreme bad acting and a ridiculous finale, you end up with a disappointing entry in this long-running franchise. This I need to know how bad this movie hurts somebody. <laughs> People get passionate about. I think every Friday for somebody they're like, "This is the worst piece of shit ever," you know. Um. Yeah. So Roseblood. That's the one that you want to know about, huh? Yep. So that gets back Laura Park Lincoln and Terry Kaiser, right? Yes. Okay. So Roseblood. It's not okay. So the plot for Roseblood is um. Supposedly, after the um, after the events of Part Seven, Tina ends up going to is being held captive at. Well, we find out it's the um, Crystal Lake Research Facility that we saw in Part in Jason X. Mm-hmm. And the. They're trying to do what Cruz did, and they're trying to like harness like um, Tina's telekinetic abilities. Well, they end up um, they end up uh, 
bringing in another girl named Rose, who is seemingly maybe a little more powerful than Tina is. And um, basically the whole plot is like they're trying to harness these powers while they were also trying to take down Jason. Um, now I'm just going to go ahead and state this. This movie really tries to, um, how do I say this? This movie like tries to combine two different franchises because we find out that at some point Rose, I believe is from Haddonfield. Oh, no way. Do they bring in Michael Myers? They bring in Michael Myers. There was a scene when Jason has Rose and Tina cornered in this room. And Tina does something, or not Tina, Rose does something. And Jason turns around and looks behind him and there's like a bunch of fire and there's Michael Myers standing in the middle of it. Playing the Halloween theme. As a matter of fact, um, look up Roseblood on IMDb right now. They got a picture of it. Looking it up. Man, I don't want to see freaking Michael Myers in my Jason fan film, though. I mean, that's like putting Jason in a Michael fan film. Like, what? Okay, I see it. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. You see how he's standing there with the girl tied up? Yep. Like, I don't. I'm going to be quite honest with you. I was very fucking confused about what this movie was supposed to be. Because I didn't get it. I When Michael showed up, I was like, why is Michael showing up? Um. Yeah, so it's on YouTube. Go ahead and check it out just to kind of see what they do with the mythology from part seven. But, I mean, is it... Is it a great fan film? It's definitely not, you know, Friday the 13th Vengeance or Never Hike Alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I mean, I think oh, it's kind of cool. I think it's kind of cool that they got Law Park Lincoln to come back and everything. But, I mean, I really just don't, and I don't know if they're making a sequel to it yet. So when I watched it, I was left wondering, okay, what is Rose? Is she a child of Michael Myers? Is she related to Michael Myers? Where does she get this power? Is she like, is she to Michael what Tina is to Jason? What is the story? Yeah, I think I might skim through this one, but honestly, you're not telling me anything that makes me want to really uh, dive deep into it. (laughs) I would still check it out. If not for the sake of like enjoying it, then just seeing what they do with it. Yeah, that's oh. Cordell fan film report. 
And yeah, that's a that's a capper on Friday the 13th, part seven, the new blood. A little more laid back, a little more casual. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us tonight on this episode of Cinecult. And you will be joining us next time then when we come at you with the continuation of our screen retrospective. We will be reviewing the sequel, Scream 2. And we will also try to get a Halloween episode put out for you. Hell yeah. Thank you, guys. I'm, I'm thinking, you know what? We're going to do Scream 2. And I think that there's no better movie to put out for Halloween than a review of the classic 1978 Halloween. You want to do the OG? The OG. All right, let's try to get the... All right, thank you, guys, for coming to Cinecult. Uh, yeah, let's try to get the OG recorded this weekend, then. At some point. All right, I'll look... All right. Well, thank you, everybody, and you all have a good night. Take it easy, folks.